With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. The, the uh, biggest news this week is Rory's boy, Alden Smith, being re-signed to basically a two-year deal with 250k game incentive. What is the whole entire deal worth? Well, with incentives, it maxes out at about 19 million. Is that so a fair contract? Uh, is that what? Is that sort of like a fair contract for him right now, or no? Oh, yeah, it's basically what I thought they were going to do. I just expected them to do a longer-term deal. But when I wrote the contract projection for him, I basically laid out something where they would give him some sort of very minimal base, and then you'd give him per-game incentives, very similar to the Greg Hardy deal. And then um, in year two, you would have – it would just be all incentive-laden – with sack production incentives, that kind of thing. Well, your Raiders also made another move just moments ago, signing signing uh, long snapper Andrew East. Any thoughts on that? Oh joy! Can the Raiders name official yet about um, Reggie Nelson? I haven't seen. I haven't heard anything about Reggie Nelson. Yeah, they've had him in for a visit since yesterday. But I haven't seen if they've made it official. Everyone expects him to sign. But knowing Reggie, they're not well, really in a... Has, well, because he hasn't had any other visits either, signed up. Yeah, I wouldn't even be... I think they're pretty much... Oh, let's see, they just had an update. Let me check. Uh... Yeah, no, it just says that they're still expected, so... And there you go. other news, Mike Williams, not the number two overall pick USC bust, but the one that was stabbed and was paid a lot of money by the Bucks and paid for a sixth-round pick to the Buffalo Bills at nine months later, is working out at the Cincinnati Bengals. Or Bengals. 
the Bengals are the right place for a uh, guy with massive character concerns and relative rejects. <laughs> so, <laughs> good place to go. Pac-Man Jones, uh, Fonta Perfect. Well, I said Pac-Man Jones, Avantes Bertha. He just adds to that collection if he signs. Oh yeah, that's what that's how they roll. I mean, they have, you know, that's um, Mar. Why did I just blank on his name? Uh, <laughs> the coach there. Brandon um, Lewis. Oh, Marvin Lewis. Marvin Lewis. Uh, he is a big. He's a big believer in second chances. He's also a very controlling guy. People have a lot of respect for him. So he tends to really be able to reel people in and keep them on track. So um, the Bengals have really become kind of Al Davis's Raiders in a sense, that they've kind of become the land that all the character rejects go and that, <laughs> you know, end up being a pretty decent pretty decent outcome. The, the difference is the Raiders actually won playoff games. Um, they also signed Brandon LaFell last week. I don't think that helps him at really wide receivers much. He's more of a number three than a number two. Um, so uh, you could look to see them address that in the draft. Um, so do you agree with me that he's not really a number two wide receiver? He's more just a depth person? Absolutely. No, to me, he is a he's a potentially reliable um, just another guy kind of person. So the way I look at it is they're probably going to be double dipping in wide receiver. And I would probably assume they're in a great spot in round one to get a guy that they like, whether it's Dotson. Dotson. I, the question is, do they want to go with someone who's vertical or do they want to go with someone who maybe is more of a lateral guy or do they want a possession guy? Now, does Laquan Treadwell fall that far? I don't, I don't know. see him getting past the line. I don't think so. What? I don't see him getting past the line. I could see him getting past the Rams because I could see the Rams being more interested in the vertical threat. So, although they don't, or someone who's going to... Uh, could, could you see him going to the Giants? Could you see him going to the Giants? Yeah, I could imagine that, but I don't think it'll happen. I think the Giants are kind of more geared towards snagging a DB. I could definitely see them grabbing offensive line help or um, a linebacker or even a defensive end, but somewhere in that particular group. the Chiefs climbing up to get a wide receiver? No, because they've lost draft picks. I can't see them well, making not, a move well, up. Climbing, I'm not moving up, but taking a wide receiver in the first. Oh, yeah. I could see him do it. Because um, I know they just drafted Chris Conley in the third or fourth round last year. They have Jeremy Macklin, but they sort of lost that type of, you know, deep threat uh, guy who can stretch the themes when they lost Jeremy Macklin to injury. Yeah, well, they did add Rod Streeter, and Rod Streeter is a four four and a half guy. Mm-hmm. So he and he's kind of a big body guy, you know, six two, two hundred five pounds. So but he's, he's a good guy. Battling the number four wide receiver, Jeremy heading Hemingway. I could see, I could see Rod Streeter push for uh, 
big-time playing time in that offense. Um, mm-hmm. I don't underestimate him. You know, he's a really hard worker. I mean, it sounds like what happened to him last year was, because he was a healthy scratch all year, he just he ended up falling paper. behind his camp, and the Raiders just kind of fell in love with other players. So he just kind of lost out. So I, I could see him making a push. Uh, but I, the question for me with the Chiefs is very similar. It comes out of preference. What do they want? Mm-hmm. I could see, to me, the guys that make most sense there are probably um, the trio of Fuller, Coleman, or um, Braxton Miller. Oh, I would say Dachshund if he landed there. He's sort of the opposite of what Jeremy Macklin is. He's sort of, if you sort of want to build your wider super core, sort of like a basketball core, you need, you know, each every little bit of everything. You need a speed guy, you need a guy who can stretch the seams, uh, you know, stuff like that. Somebody go underneath. Well, I think Andy Reid wants another Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson. Mm-hmm. I think if he would go anywhere, he's kind of looking for that. Because to me, but there's not it, a Deshaun it, Jackson in this draft. Will Fuller is a quote unquote Mike Wallace. One route. Yeah, I mean, but if, if you want to get as close to you, as close as possible to it, you're going to go a couple routes, and um, you got Corey Coleman, who's a fast vertical threat. Will Fuller's a he, fast he runs vertical four route. Post, he, slant, Deshaun Jackson, go. Deshaun Jackson for the Eagles only ran two routes, maybe <laughs> three. He literally ran a nine and he ran a post. That was literally it. And then he was a punt returner. That's all he did. Macklin, all the other receivers were the ones who did everything underneath that made the rest of that offense go. Basically, Sean Jackson got plugged in, and they just said, run deep every – he was Cliff Branch. That's all he did, just run nine routes. And so <laughs> it was and – Brax, and that's why Braxton Miller, to me, makes a lot of sense. Although Braxton Miller is a very intelligent guy, he's, he's such He hasn't a played wide receiver that long. It doesn't matter. He's such a freak athlete that he, ha- he has your vertical ability. And in a draft that is really starved with freak athletes, it makes sense to me. I just hate the back end of this draft, of the first round, because it's going to be so unpredictable. Well, I don't hate it. I just don't know what to expect, but it should be really fun. There should be a lot of chaos. <laughs> um Moving back into our sort of perfect pairs. Oh. <laughs> uh, let's move into the AFC East. Uh, let's start with the Buffalo Bills. Rory, I'm going to have you go first. Pick. You, should, you know the I'm, drill from last week? I'm still bringing up their death chart, damn it. Buffalo, hold on. Got to bring up the death chart real quick. Just to just to refresh my memory. Otherwise, I would I'll for have forgotten some sort of move or something. Although the Bills weren't particularly active, because um, I kind of have a thought of what they should do. Yeah, they weren't particularly active. Now that I'm looking back at it. Okay. Um, my biggest concern with the Bills is still that front four. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sold on it. I've never been a Jerry Hughes believer. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always thought he was kind of a one, you know, a flash in the pan. Marcel, the combination of Marcel Darius and Kyle Williams is a very good tandem. But uh, Williams is really old. 
He's like 31 yes, exactly. right now. And Darius so, is not even 25. Yeah, Darius is very young, and he's the three-tech. You know, he's the guy mm-hmm. that's blowing up the gaps. He's the guy that's penetrating. He's doing all those things. To me, a guy that makes a lot of sense is Billings from uh, Baylor. I think a Billings from Baylor in round one. Is, yeah, oh, round okay. one. Sorry to cut you off, but Ian Rappaport reports talked possible expanded playoffs um, competition committee has endorsed expansion from 12 to 14 owners. It, they just choose, it's up to the owners right now if they want it to happen or not. And there's, there will be a vote uh, after this year. But, you know, the players can expand, you know, to eight to ten teams, possibly. So the, they're expanding the competition committee to potentially expand the playoffs? Is that what I heard? Cause I heard no, no, no. There is 12 to 14 people from the competition committee who's voted to extend the playoffs. Oh, and got the, you. Okay. The quote-unquote decision will be made at the next owner's meeting next year. And that will okay. basically, two years from now, we will see if we have two playoffs then. Because next year, the off-season for the owners' meeting in the coming year, we'll see if we'll have an eight- or ten-team playoff, which I kind of seem bogus. I like it. I kind of like it the way it is. All right. So they're going to expand the playoffs. Fun, fun, fun. <laughs> Sorry to cut you off. No, it's okay. Um, that's fine and dandy. Um, so, yeah, getting back to what we are talking about, I literally have zero interest in expanded playoffs, like whatever. Good for them. Um, is going back to what we were talking about, so I think a billing from Baylor would be a great fit. Um, round one. And then round two... See, the problem is I I kind of like their defensive backs, but not a lot. I like them a little. <laughs> um, but I could see them dipping into the safety group. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at I'm J. Ron thinking, Curse? Yeah, I'm debating between like a J. Ron Curse or a Jeremy Cash or something along those lines. You know, either – Somebody who they're going to want in the box to, to hit, or well, somebody for a guy who's in the going to be box. more versatile. Versatile, versatile and in the box type safety, that's Jeremy Cash all the way around. He plays strong in free, and he's good in, in the box. Yeah, he played mostly in the box with Duke, so you kind of have to project him a little bit on the free safety side of it, because the vast majority of the time he's playing in the box. But I think but he's athletic enough to play in space. Um, you know, he's a little tight hip and, you know, but, yeah, I don't know. So he's he, 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 I'm a Jeremy Cash fan. I like the fact he's a senior. I like the fact he has so many games that he started. Um, and I like the fact that he's a good leader. But I could see it. Yeah, so to me, you know, maybe a Billings and a, and a Jeremy Cash, I don't think that they go dipping into – quarterback anytime early. Uh, I just think starting the fourth round is earlier. 
Yeah. They got Ronald Darby last year. They got Stefan Gilmore. Mm. And they have a third guy. I can't remember his name. Yeah, well, um, I guess my... Butler or or Nickel? Or Roby? They got Butler or Roby for the third guy. No, I said Gilmore... Uh, Roby is their second guy, really. Because Ronald Darby goes. Is it a Corey Graham? Is it a Corey Graham? He plays free safety. Ah. At least that's where Awats has him. I I won't pretend to be the biggest um, (laughs) biggest connoisseur. Um, I just I've always I've had very little faith in that front four though after watching them last year a couple times. Um. Yes, that's why I go for you know Billings and Cash probably makes a lot of sense. Where do you think they go with quarterback though? That's the big question to me because I have zero faith in Tyrod Taylor. I have even less in EJ Manuel. But if Paxton Lynch falls, do they take that gamble? I think the front office is sort of scared off by taking quarterback in the first round after they gambled on EJ Manuel. Mm-hmm. So I so I sort of think they'll. Since Rex Ryan loves his mobile quarterback, he's going to go later in the draft um, with, with a Kobe Brissett. Brissett. Um, those types of guys. So Vernon Adams may be in sixth or seventh round. You and, and, you and Vernon Adams. You the love affair is legit. <laughs> he's a good player. The if love he was is like legit. two feet taller, people would be talking about him in the first round. Two feet taller. <laughs> Six inches. If you're six inches taller. Yeah, he's only five eleven. Yeah. He's having he's having uh, Russell Wilson issues. You know that's that's well you know that being over the combination of Russell Wilson and Johnny Manziel minus the off field stuff. Um, <laughs> but, well, Vernon Adams is a smart all around player, but he's not. I'm not gonna say he's not as smart as Russell Wilson. He's just not as savvy when it comes to running out of the pocket and all that. Basically, his throws come off the run. Yeah. And well, the other thing, too, we've got to remember about Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson ran a pro-style offense. And two different places. But, they, but at, and, uh, yes. and at North Carolina State. Yeah, and he was kicked out for Mike Lennon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he ran, he ran pro-style offenses. He ran West Coast-based uh, he ran a West Coast at North Carolina State, and then when he went to Wisconsin, they ran the Shanahan boot, essentially. Mm-hmm. That's what they do there. Outside zone stretch boot out the back, and he was perfect for it, and he crushed everyone. Um, so, and so that's kind of the difference between him and Vernon Adams. But, yeah, so my question is, you know, does, if Paxton Lynch falls in round two, do they maybe try to jump up, or if he falls to them, do they go there? That would be my I, biggest question is where – because Paxton Lynch to me makes – the most sense of the early round quarterbacks, if you're talking like the first three rounds, he's kind of the guy that makes the most sense. I, I see what you're saying, but I don't think Paxton Lynch gets past Denver in round one. Neither do I. But I That's would, why you I kind could of have to see Connor I could see a Connor Cook somewhat. No, I can't see the I can't see Connor Cook. They they have like you mentioned, um, Rex Ryan loves his mobile quarterbacks, loves them. I mean, the thing is, like, he knows, Rex Ryan knows what it is, that, where he uh, butters his bread, okay? 
He's going to be defense first. That's all he cares about. To him, offense is something you can manufacture. And the fact of the matter is, if you could get a mobile guy who can run some of the option of the boot and pick up yards on his feet, all you got to do is put up 17 points, and he thinks he's going to win. So, um, did you hear about the, his bidding war, bidding war with Chip Kelly over Thad Lewis? Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> so so there would be a bidding war over Thad Lewis is just stupendously stupid. <laughs> what about Dak Prescott? I think that's an interesting name, too. Well, we'll see with them. Uh, yeah. Since you took care of the Bills, I will take care of Dolphins. Yeah. Oh, have fun with that. Um, round one, I'll go uh, Eli Apple, try to bring a little bit of size. Since they're at 13, um, I don't know what corners are going to be on the board. I assume Hargraves and Ramsey are off. Um, so that's where I'm going to go there. Second round, uh, I can see a Kyler Fackrell. Um, but I'm going to go Vernon Butler. Interesting. That's or, an interesting debate you had in your head. Um, I agree with you on corner in round one. They make the most of God, I hope they go Eli Apple, just so I don't have to potentially stomach that as a Raiders fan. Um, <laughs> well, I'm just saying, they already started doing the hype thing with Byron Maxwell. And they so yeah, and they've been dressing a lot longer corners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to me, I actually agree with you on Eli Apple. I think he makes a lot of sense there for what they look for. Hold on, Marco. Okay, much better. Get that out of my throat. Um, so you see, who's either that or Camila Correa in the second round out of Boise State? I'm glad you mentioned Correa. Because I like Correa a lot, and I was having a very similar thought about him because you can compare him to Cameron Wake. Mm-hmm. And if you look how they assembled this defensive line, I guess right, right now I'm looking at our lad currently okay, I'm Cameron Wake. My, I'm taking back my second pick for Camila Correa. I sort of like that too much. Yeah, I, I, I like the fit a lot. I mean, he's a guy where, like, if the Raiders ended up drafting him, I'd be extremely excited. I, I like him a lot. I'm hearing a lot of talk. Um, it could be in the bottom of round one. He's sneaky into like that back end of round one. Um, I know Mel Kuyper is extremely high on him. And like I always say with Mel Kuyper, people can criticize all, him all they want. Besides the fact that dude has phenomenal hair and glasses. Um, <laughs> this discussion we're having right now does not exist without Mel Kuyper. And Mel Kuyper knows people. So if Mel Kuyper starts talking about a guy who is a listen. rising person, you listen. You may not have to agree with what he says about the player, because I think lots of times Mel Kuyper is wrong, but that's just a difference of opinion. But when he starts saying that there are guys talking about a prospect, you pay attention to it, because he has his ear to the ground. And so, I don't know, because could you see a guy like Correa, Correa scoot up into the back end to a team that's really, really looking for some dynasty uh, dynamic players on the outside, like maybe the Panthers. 
It's plausible. It could be a good fit with the Titans at the top of round two. Top of round two? It could make some sense uh, because they have the Brian Arakpo kind of pushing a 4-3, although it's a 3-4 kind of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, he makes a lot and of sense. And Durant can play a little bit of both. He's a tweener. Yeah, he's like a six, what is he, six foot three, two sixty five, 265 mm-hmm. there. So he's kind of a tweener. Basically, he's a pass rusher. You just mm-hmm. turn him turn him loose on the quarterback. Don't drop him back. Um, I, I would compare him favorably, although slightly less athletic, to Alden Smith. To me, wow, he's that's that kind crazy. of guy. Oh, Smith. If you look at his top numbers coming into the league the first two years, He's up there with um, Lawrence Taylor and um, former what's that, Reggie White in terms of sacks in his first two years. Yeah, I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about. I project like Ferrer do that kind of production. <laughs> I'm thinking player. I'm thinking like player model. Like if I were to, if I'm thinking of a guy where he fits a mold really well, and what I would want to do with him, it would be what the Niners did with Alden Smith because they're almost the same height. They're very mm-hmm. similar in weight and length. You know, remember, Alden Smith's a big guy. We're talking 6'3", 6'4", 265, long arms, um, quick first step. That's Correa for you. You know, that's what he is. And so um, I think in a, in a defense like the Dolphins, I think you're right on. I think he would fit in really, really well. Uh, Patriot, you're up. I don't even get a first-round pick. That's why you oh. go second and third round with them. Oh, man, they really require me to think. <laughs> no, wait, they have two second-round picks. They have two se- oh, yeah, that's right, because they have your Arizona pick. All mm-hmm. right, no, never mind. That, that, that works They're out real well for me. They're back-to-back picks. Oh, I didn't even realize that. They are back because they're late in the draft. Okay, yeah. Hmm, i got to think about this one now. Uh, <laughs> it's required a tiny bit of thought. Well, because your your initial thought right is defensive end. I think that has to be addressed because of the Chandler Jones thing. Chris Jones? No, I think he's too. I don't think he's the. uh, mm, I think he's too much of a thirty-four. Like a, a, I think he's too big. Like too much of a five tech. I I would think someone who maybe could do some seven. Um. Hmm. Now I gotta. Search or not search? Um, I got to think. Okay, the other position um, I'm thinking of. I I still think they have to. What is going on? Okay, there we go. I still think they also have to address the offensive line in places. Um, they have a lot of talented offensive linemen. Shaq Mason was a guy I really loved, although he was short for a guard. The dude moved people. So what are you thinking, uh, like Raven Clark? He sort of fits that type of mold of Nate Solder and Sebastian Ballmer, like type of style and weight and size. And they, the Raven Clark, I think, is a very interesting name because they have the mm-hmm. offensive line coaches to deal with the fact that um, at Texas Tech they have no idea how to coach technique for offensive linemen. <laughs> um, if you ever want to watch some of the worst, most poorly – um, looked at uh, just offensive line play in terms of technique. Just watch Texas Tech. It's an abortion of offensive line play. And there is absolutely the tools to play guard in some places as well. But, you know, if you got the coaching. 
I can't see Larry. No, he's he's built to well, play. Unless you kick, unless you kick Vollmer into guard. I would want to kick Vollmer into or guard. Or Solder, I mean. I wouldn't even want to do that. Nate Solder's a pure tackle. Look at him. Look at what he's built. He's going to get mm-hmm. upended trying to play guard. That dude's going to get destroyed. Or you can put him as a backup just in case one of those two gets hurt. Happens a lot. You have Shaq mm-hmm. Mason at the guard. Who's um, their other guard? What did you say about Shaq Mason? Their other, you have Shaq Mason at, at guard. Who's their other one? Uh, I will tell you one second. He is uh, Jonathan Cooper now. And but, oh, yeah, but, but Trey Jackson. Him and Trey Jackson are going to battle it out. Okay, Jackson's kind of set a little bit, unless they want yeah, to look for backup. Yeah, see, to me, the guy I think is interesting is I think you think Jonathan Cooper could look to kick out the tackle, possibly. Yeah, and play some right tackle what makes you think he tackle? What? He got killed a lot at guard. Yeah. I think he's a little... I think he's a little too tall and lean to play guard. And I think he, he ends up losing his pad height and his pad discipline. I think he kind of naturally may fit in movement-wide to the right tackle. Um, what I think about, that was one of the issues center? in Arizona. Bill and I sort of agreed he'd be possibly a really good center if he learned to, you know... Only because, centers don't normally have, only because centers don't normally have someone head up on them. Someone they always have to deal with. But the moment you put a guy head up on him, I think he would get destroyed. <laughs> I, I just, I kind, I'm just leaning personally. I'm leaning towards this idea that maybe he becomes kind of a swing tackle for them at this point, or a tweener. The guy I think would be very interesting for them to me is um, so you hear me, my two guys. I, I'm thinking first and foremost. Um, uh, is it Shalik Calhoun? I always mm-hmm. hear that name. A, I always want to call him Shaq, but it's not Shaq, right? It's Shalik. Yeah, Shalik Calhoun. I I love him in that replacing Chandler Jones. Very similar body type to Chandler Jones. Very similar skills up to Chandler Jones. I think he would be, and he's coming. Remember, Michigan State is one of those teams that has a uh, Bill uh, a Bill Parcells slash he um, kind of disciple running that football team. So I think uh, that that's a guy where you could uh, make where translates really well. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's six foot four, has over thirty four inch arms. I think he fits very very well. The other one I think is going to be uh, the guard from. The guard tackle from Stanford to me makes a lot of sense. He, I mean, I'm debating either between him, um, is it Gaffney, 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 something like that. Uh, yeah, I'm debating him. I'm definitely not even thinking about wide receiver. Like to me, that's completely off. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm thinking that. My other debate is uh, doing something interior. Yeah, maybe a defensive tackle, but they like. But they drop kind of like guys back to back with Nelson Brown and the other guy. 
Yeah. But I the mean, other guy's been always hurt, but they sign, they have six guys at defensive tackle. I know. So, and they love their unsung heroes at defensive tackle. It's very weird. Um, they have pot roast there, too. Oh, that's true. Yeah, he brought him on. He's going to play kind of a Vince Wilfork spot, so they're going to allow them to do more tweener 34 stuff. Yeah, do you know what? I'll, I'll stick with um. I'll stick with what I said. Let's go with um. Let's go with Calhoun and um. Gaffney. I like that. Personally, I would have gone sort of like a Raven Clark, Nick Martin back to back offensive lineman. Hmm. Is this not too early for Raven Clark in the draft, and it's not too late in the second round? Um, I just feel like that's the perfect spot for him to go, even though he's fundamentally flawed at everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see what you're saying, and I'm not even, I'm not even really, an, I'm not really against it. You know, like I think it makes it's very logical, it makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, I wouldn't be against it by any means. You know, I think it would be right up there. That's the right spot for Clark. Well. No, I won't take the right spot for Clark. I gave Clark kind of a – I view him as kind of a round three guy. Well, this but, is like the end of the second round. Yeah, so. I'm thinking more – I'm thinking like more end of round three is kind of where I like Clark the most, but well, we're, we're I can like, see where people see him I like him too, but, you know, teams are going to be like, I got to pick him up early in the draft before somebody else takes him. Yeah, and Garnett, not work. Gaffney, Garnett. That's the name I – I knew what you meant. For, yeah. I don't know why I was thinking Gaffney. My mum was oh. in my mind. Okay, now with the Jets, you want to find a replacement for Deepakashaw Ferguson. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go um, Taylor Decker, Ohio State. Probably going to fall to the right spot for them, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, round two, I think you need to find a replacement for Snacks Harrison. Um, Vernon Ver- well, Butler. This is where I'm going to put him. Vernon Butler to replace Snacks. Yeah. Well, at the defensive tackle position, period, and he needs to dress. Not the right. He he can't play those all the same positions, Snacks can, but they need another run defender there. Yeah, and they seem to be pretty much set at their five techs with, if you think about the trio of five techs, uh, but realistically, Mama Wilkers is probably not returning. They did they did sign Steve McClendon, though. Jarvis Jenkins. So we got Leonard. Jarvis. I think Jarvis Jenkins, Okay. They technically, it's weird. Our lab technically has Sheldon Richardson listed as an outside linebacker, which just, like, I'm, I see that and, like, it's not registering in my head that that actually exists. Like, what are you uh, talking about? I think he's listed at defensive tackle like, on most depth charts. Yeah, yeah that's not it's weird. Our lab has a left defensive end, a nose tackle, and a right defensive tackle. So it's kind of a weird way that they've listed it, but um, I would count Sheldon Richardson obviously as a five tech. That's what he is to me. Um, a five to three tech is what he's going to do uh, best. I see so you're saying Malik Collins, two different types of players. 
Yeah, it's a, to me the question is, if they want to go pure nose, do you really want to do that in round two? Because the value of it, I, I, I'm sure I don't see the value there. And but they have be, to, I want to I give them a nose in round one. So they're for the best win there, and I go and get Sam Coleman in round two. It, well, again, it depends what we're talking about. So are we talking about, like, a Billings? Are we talking about... Cause yeah, Andrew Billings. Billings. Billings isn't a nose. Billings is a shade 43 defensive tackle, right? He's like a one shade. I guess technically it's a nose. But, like, when, I'm, when I think of a nose tackle, I'm thinking of a guy playing head up on a center, and there's no way I'm playing Billings there. I would okay. prefer to play... I would prefer to let Billings penetrate a gap. And you know, okay. like hit a gap hard. So the best nose tackle available, in your opinion? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't really think there's a pure nose that would really garner an early round pick. And you have Steve McClendon, so who's serviceable? Like Steve McClendon's not a great nose tackle, but he's serviceable. I mean, he's gonna get the job done. He'll play head up for you. I mean, okay, I've rethought my process. <laughs> Taylor Decker, Devontae Booker. Need a sort of that. "Quote unquote replacement for when that Forte kicks the can, which should be very soon. Mm-hmm. And you don't want Bilal Powell there alone, so you get a eventual workforce. So it's ease him in. People have already talked with Zeke Elliott following there and going there. I can't see it. I can't see Zeke Elliott following that far. Mike McCackman is a lot smarter than doing taking a running back in first. Unlike um, Jerry Jones. <laughs> okay, so uh, I, I I see where your head's at with that. So here's the a defensive tackle I was thinking of. I couldn't, mm-hmm. as usual, I couldn't remember his name for the life of me because that's how I roll with uh, names. I don't actually remember them. They just stick in my head somehow. Uh, but your boy, DJ Reader. Like, smack my him boy. in the third or fourth round. Why do you call him my boy? I hardly ever heard of him. The Clemson player. Yeah, but he barely started any game. He was always benched in the middle of each season. That's because they're going against spread offenses all day long. They're not going to be playing a 340-pound nose tackle. A team like Clemson shouldn't have a 340-pound nose tackle on their roster. There's literally no purpose for it. There's no purpose, and they play him, and he goes always benched because you don't need him. Yeah, but look, but if you're talking about filling the role of a nose tackle, that to me was the guy who popped in my head. And you're going to snag him in like the fourth round, just like the Raiders did with Jelly Ellis. Those dudes Doesn't are going to fall. The trade block, I believe. But what about Ellis? I thought I thought I heard him being on the trade block. No, 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 no. Um, Michael Rivera is. No, I know Michael Rivera, end. but I thought I heard Justin Ellis as a trade bug. No, they love Jelly. Trade to the Jets. Or Mo Wilkins. The only way I could like see that, the only, yeah, the only way I could see it would be for Bob, uh, no, what you're thinking of is Chris Wessling. Chris Wessling proposed that on the podcast. Oh, I didn't listen, like normal. He, he proposed that on their podcast. He proposed Jelly Ellis. Um, and then Mom and Wilkerson 
What about um, a Justin Ellis and uh, Michael Rivera and a fourth-round pick? Yeah, I think that would be much... I think that'd be a much better deal than giving up Joey Ellis for one stone with the Jets. You want to get rid of all that salary he's going to be still. Um, you get a tight end for replacing my boy Cumby average at everything. <laughs> you pair him with Jason Morrow, you got your sort of set at tight end for a bit. Um, and you get a... Is Ellis worth a nose tackle or just a defensive tackle? Ellis is a nose. He's a pure nose. He's a zero. All right. All right. So that's that's a little one, but he's best when he's just playing it up. He that's just he's a monster. The dude needs space, like like Jolly Donut. Both teams. Yeah. I mean, he's damn right. Fourth round pick. Same guy. And the fourth round pick is sort of necessary because you're adding Michael Rivera, and Michael Rivera sort of helps out that. When you look at the um. Name. What's that coach's name who has that like trade chart? Jimmy Johnson. Yo, yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy Johnson. Johnson trade chart. Yeah. Trade chart. Yeah. So here's where I would disagree with you. Um, although I, I see where you're coming from, I think a guy, although I don't like this player, I could see the Jets doing this. Because it fits what they need. I could see Leonard Floyd round one. And then round two, you come back with the offensive tackle. Your potential left tackle for, you know, the future. Whether it's, um, you know, um, for even Clark or it's... Um, Coleman, uh, he's going to drop from Texas A&M. Uh, Ifidi. Ifidi, thank you. <laughs> So any one of those guys, right? Like you know, Leonard Floyd round one to give you some of that outside linebacker that you need. Although I'm not a fan of him, you know, um, a guy who could do some pass rushing for you, like theoretically. <laughs> um, moving on to the Dallas Cowboys, you're at. I'm not dealing with the Cowboys. Oh, I can't believe I got stuck with the Cowgirls. All right, <laughs> oh. That's what I used to call them, but then I have too many cowboy friends, and they get really PO'd at me. But yeah, I have zero respect for them, so I don't really care. Um, <laughs> oh, the, the question always comes down to... I think Jerry Jones is ultimately living in a bit of a delusional world. So... <laughs> we all think so. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think what's going to happen is, is I think they're still – I think they still truly believe in two things. A, Tony Romo can win a Super Bowl, and B, they don't need to draft a quarterback in round one. Therefore, with both uh, no. of those things, I'm going to say, assuming Joey Bosa falls, he's going to go with four. He's the most logical pick. They need defensive end help. They're running a 43. He's a hand-in-the-ground guy. So Joey Bosa at four makes the most sense. Now, to me, the question becomes, beginning around two, do they go quarterback? And that's where I'll say they go Connor Cook. (sighs) 
what are they going to do at the running back position? I know they just signed Freddie Morris, but he has, I don't think he has any tread on his tires. I think, there are enough, healthy. I think there are enough smart people. Well, let me rephrase this question. Let me rephrase what I'm saying. <laughs> I, think there, I think there's enough sensibility in Dallas to where they're not going to jump on a running back too early. I think what they realize that this three? is a pretty good this is a pretty good running back class. Not great, but it's pretty solid. It's a lot of Kenneth options. Kenneth Dixon, third round. Who? Kenneth Dixon, Louisiana Tech. Say it one more time. I could the name. I it's not clear. Kenneth Dixon. Okay, good. Yeah, he should be there. I could see that. Um, I could even see like Devonte Booker falling if they wanted Devonte Booker. I still. I think people are pushing up running back value in this draft class. Um, because of last year. Maybe, but I think mostly because of Zeke Elliott. Mm-hmm. I think because this is an overall weak draft class lacking elite talent. Zeke Elliott is by far an elite talent. So they're pushing up the entire group when they have no business to. Uh, like Derrick Henry, to me, is no no business being around one pick. Um Round two at best. Devontae um, Booker, next year, similar. Um, next but year and the year after is going to be insane at running back. You only have to reach. Exactly. So to me, so what about Alex Collins? Round three. Jonathan Williams, round four. Five. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's kind fine. Of but there's a, but my point is there's a lot of these guys, right? You know. Mm-hmm. They, I don't think they would want like a CJ Pro size type. Um, I mean, that would you know, make they, sense. They could wait for Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake's third down specialist. Doesn't matter. You have two guys who are first two down step specialists. You got you Okay. So you know, but you'll go and let them compete. You know, what about Keith Marshall? Um, oh, don't get me started. I was on the hype train for the longest. And I just got <laughs> off that train. Um, he has all the talent in the world, but he can't use it. Agreed, but that's not, you know. But I'm just you know. To me, <laughs> these running backs ultimately are a dime a dozen. You know, like there's once you get past Egali, none of these guys are so good that you gotta go crazy after one of them. No running back next year, in my opinion, Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb. And then my boy Roy screaming out of Oregon, who's a different type of Oregon type of running back than he was. Well, I mean, hold on. Are we also making three. are we also making the assumption that the kid from uh, LSU is coming out? I don't think he does. I think he stays for his senior year. Really? Probably a mistake in some cases, but stay in school, kid. I don't know. I can't see. I can't see a running back staying for a senior year. Not with a guy who's got as much hype around him as he does. And then my fifth All guy right. next year is James Conner out of pit. Mm. Yeah, no, it's going to be a good group next year. So, uh, so there you go. That's the uh, that's the the cowgirls, um, <laughs> as uh, lovingly called them. So Joey Bosa and um, Joey Bosa, Connor Cook. All right, I'll go with the Eagles. I'm leaving you the Giants. Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, the Eagles, uh, I think they need to get better at that offensive line. 
Um, I think if a Jake Coughlin they, is still there, you know, Ronnie Stanley's off the board. I think Jake Coughlin out of Michigan State, uh, I don't get the yeah. whole thing about the running back to eight either. Um, you have two solid guys in Darren Sproles and Ryan Williams and Kenyon Barner right behind them. So don't rush it in round one. Um, round two, I think they need more speed at wide receiver, but I don't see a guy going there. Um, that's worth that tip pick. Um, I want to say William Jackson third, but he won't be there. More than likely. Uh, so let's go defensive line. Um, no, no, I'm going to go Adolphus uh, Washington if he's available. Interesting. So, say, who who'd you have round one? Jake Coughlin, Michigan State. Jack Coughlin? Mm-hmm. All right, Jack Coughlin at eight. And then, um, okay, sure. I think you I was kind of thinking maybe they go more defensive end. But um, if but you can you're see, looking for a sort of don't, their defense is not really based around their pass rushers. They're outside linebackers in that defense are their pass rushers. Yes. You look, you look at Connor yeah. Barwin and all the but other guys. They're like their transition, aren't they transitioning? Don't they have a 4-3 defensive coordinator now? Jim Schwartz? Yeah. Is he, uh, Jim Schwartz is so the 4-3, he's the wide nine guy. Uh, Fletcher Cox is probably going to move out to the, the, to the No end. way. Stop it. I, I'm you know Fletcher Cox. Fletcher Cox is not playing a wide nine. No way. I'm, you have Randy Graham saying. and you have Connor Barwin. Those are your wide nines. <laughs> Fletcher Cox is inside of the three. That's why he can be a pure defensive end. No, Fletcher Cox will stay in as a three, and then you have Benny Logan to play the nose. Play a one, <laughs> your one shade. Could be crazy. <laughs> okay, All right. Giants. So, uh, um, okay, no, I, I was thinking maybe more of an end, but I see where your head's at. And I, and I like Adolphus Washington, so I like to sit. Uh, I like the player, too. All right, so now you're sticking me now with the Giants? <laughs> Giants, huh? Oy vey. What a ridiculous offseason they've had. Um, well, I'm going to say... I got a weird feeling that if Ezekiel Elliott falls to them, they would take him. Uh, Zeke Elliott's already said, I want the three-headed monster, him, Eli, and Odell. Huh. Then he, he, he said that? Yep. NFL Network. Interesting. So he's probably getting a he's probably getting the feeling that he's, that's right where he's going to fall to. All right, so let's take Zeke Elliott a running back. I mean, it makes a heck of a lot of sense to me. But then you have an even bigger committee, Orlene Starkwalk, who Bill likes him. He's a poor man's Livian Bell, he says. Yeah. I don't know where he gets that. I don't uh, know. You, you got Andre Williams. You got Rashard Jennings. Jennings. You got Shane Vereen. Shane Vereen. Remember. You have, too, remember. you have too much invested at running back. Uh, no. No. You have Rashad Jennings makes a couple million dollars. Andre Williams is a mostly bust. 
Uh, but I'm talking about Shane Vereen got a lot of money. Yeah. No, he got a couple million. It's like it deals with like three or four million a year. We'll yeah, like a million's nothing compared to what we make. It. It's a hundred and sixty million dollars salary cap. <laughs> it's nothing. I mean, come on. I mean, like it, relatively speaking, it's it's diddly poo. But who do they? If you were the GM and you had to make a decision, who would you cut? Who would I cut? Uh, yeah. Probably Jennings or Williams. No Shane Vereen, you're keeping him? Yeah, keep Shane Vereen. Shane Vereen's a nice little movement guy. I like him coming out of the backfield, catching the football. I think he's a useful piece. See, to me, Shane Vereen is the kind of running back I'm looking for. You know, some guy I can do a lot of stuff with. You remember, I to me, everybody, these are a dime a dozen, so... I want to get a whole bunch of running backs and do a bunch of different things I can play around with, you know, and not pay him a penny. Um, I'm sort of in that fantasy football mind last year, which was a headache when you're trying to find out who was the running back class here. Yeah, I don't give a rat's crap. Like, if I was a GM <laughs> for if I was a GM for a football team, I would have four running backs, all of them on rookie deals, and I would never give anyone a, uh, a second contract. Unless it was like an MJD or LT. I would let them walk. You, like, honestly, unless you let him walk? Unless you're literally pushing, if you're literally pushing, like, LT or you're pushing, you know, I mean, we're talking, LT's a Hall of Famer here. So if you're talking Hall of Famer, that's different. But unless that's that caliber, I'm letting them walk. I don't care. Like, whatever, you know. Let him walk. Let him walk. Let him walk. Let somebody else overpay him. I'll take the compensation pick. And I'll find someone else who do the job just fine. And um, like I just I just, I literally put zero value at like whatsoever into um, uh, in the running back. So All to right, me, okay. So we're gonna go uh, Ezekiel Elliott there because it does make sense. And then I think oh, if Ezekiel Elliott's not there, I think Reggie Raglan makes some sense. Uh, for this team. But besides that, um, let's say I could see a Jeremy Cash type. Because to me, I'm looking at them, I'm, I'm thinking safety. So I'm kind of mm-hmm. thinking Jeremy Cash. But this is where I um, – do they play – I got to try to think if the Giants play more cover. Miles they play more high safety. What? Miles Killebrew's still there. Yeah, it's too high for Miles Killebrew. Um, you know, maybe a Sua Cravens. Ugh. But I don't know. I mean, I'm not a fan of Sua Cravens, but... You messaged me last night. How can people like this guy? <laughs> I don't I don't get it. You know, like, whatever. I, I, I don't understand it. I got in a conversation with somebody on Twitter, and they're talking about using him as a joker, and I'm like, the, literally the only thing you could do with Sua Cravens is play him as a block safety. Like, that's it. That's not a joker. That's so what are you going to put as a title, a DW, defensive weapon? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and then other people to make... view him as, like, um, almost like a D.O.M. Buchanan, and I don't get that at all. Like, D.O.M. Buchanan is a little bit He's a linebacker. He's a weak side linebacker in some cases. Mm-hmm. No, no, he's a middle linebacker. D.O.M. Buchanan basically plays Mike which is crazy, but, but he can do it. 
but he can do it because Arizona, their base defense is a five defensive back system. So it plays mm-hmm. into what he does. And it's because they have oversized defensive linemen and they have large outside linebackers. So it mm-hmm. frees them up to play that. They constantly keep him in space. So it's, it's, they've literally designed an entire defense around the guy. Would I design an entire defense around Sue Cravens? Not a chance in hell. Like, there's no way um, I'm designing a defense around around him. Um, so let's – okay. So as I was getting back to it, so I'm thinking Jeremy – okay, Jeremy Cash or um, does Keanu right. Neal call that – or Keanu Neal? What do we think? Keanu Neal? I don't think Keanu no. Neal. No? <laughs> I don't even know what you're saying anymore. <laughs> Oh, for the Giants, Keanu Neal or uh, Jeremy Cash for round two? That's my debate. My personal, you know my feelings on these guys. Jeremy Cash all the way. All right, let's do Jeremy Cash. Then. Yeah, but to me, they're similar players. Keanu Neal is probably a little bit more balanced. but This solidifies that tandem in your secondary. you got mm-hmm. Landon Collins, you got then Jeremy Cash, and then your cornerback. You've mm-hmm. got DRC and Janoris Jenkins, which was a crazy contract, but yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if Landon Collins is rolling towards Janoris Jenkins side a lot. Mm-hmm. Which is solidified. <laughs> I think they still have Trey McBride that corner they got last the other year. Mm. And so you sort of got a free uh, deep corner. Imagine if they had Corey Webster in his prime. Yeah. <laughs> Corey Webster, when he wasn't injured, was actually a really talented. Yeah. Really talented. They had some really bad luck with corners and injuries for a while there because they had a couple of tandems that were pretty freaking talented but couldn't stay healthy for the life of them. Corey Webster and Prince Mukamara year one was really, really good when Prince was healthy. Yeah, and then Prince got hurt at the end of the year and it went all downhill for him. They had one other corner who kept getting hurt. I think it was a bunch of ACLs. Who was that? Besides Corey Webster, there's another one. No, I don't know. But now we're reflecting back to when they won Super Bowls. Um, <laughs> is that um, everybody from the NFC East? I have the Redskins. Oh, the Redskins. I'm going to go Emmanuel Ogba, round one. Interesting. Okay, I can dig. And I think you need um, to get a little better at wide receiver. Harold Cooper, round two. Interesting. No, uh, no Sterling Shepard. I have a spot for him already. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I get it. Uh, You're looking for a slot guy. Harold Cooper makes sense. Uh, I'm gonna go into the south, but let's start the NFC. You go. Bucks, the Buccaneers. Oh, NFC South now? Oh, we're moving fast. Okay. We already did, we already did the North and we did the East. I have zero faith in that offensive line, although they performed relatively admirably last season. They don't have a left tackle. Yeah. That's your Charlie. And they overpaid Jalen well, they overpaid Jared Sweezy, and they also have Goster Cherilis. So, to me, their offensive line group was a freaking disaster waiting to happen. 
Well, Sweeney's a guard in that offense, really. And you have Ali Martet as your center. Donovan Smith's more of a right tackle. So what do you think in offensive line? Yeah, well, Martet plays right guard, doesn't he? And then they have a different center. No, he played center last year because they had uh, the guy from the Patriots. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, 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 okay, okay. So, but this and year they're looking tired. at... All right, so I'm looking at I'm looking at our lads. That's right. He had um, he was from Fresno State. Former um, first round pick, thirty first overall. Yeah, from Fresno State. I try to remember I his name, he... and it's not going to come to me. Um, so here they're projecting um a Joe Hawley to play center, Ali Marpet at right guard, which Ali Marpet coming out was a guard. And he's more of a center type. Yeah, and then J.R. Sweezy, which. Don't even get me started on that contract. So that'll be interesting to see how that works out. So we'll definitely need to answer the center right guard. So I don't know. I really doubt. I definitely doubt that they would. hmm. The weird question is if they really loved, like really loved, the center from Alabama, do they take him round one? Ryan Kelly? Yeah. I can I could see that, but that's a little early in the draft. That's that's yes, it uh, is ten or eleven. But in this draft, in this draft, it wouldn't surprise me because this draft is so weak. Are you projecting him as a type of Nick Mangold type of talent? I'm not that high on him, although I think he could be a very good center. Um, I'm not necessarily sure. We're talking about like ultimate, you know, like top three in the league center. Um, that I do. Man. I have heard some people talk about him as basically the future of the center position. So I don't know. We'll. But see, my question is: Does he fall to round two? There might be a spot where you know we we see if they um, if they bother trading. Although uh, he sort of reminds me of Ryan Khalil the way he plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. And, but he's very versatile as well. So he's got he can a lot play of guard. He can also mm-hmm. be a swing tackle if you need him to. He can play right and better than left, of course, but he's, he can be swing, he can play guard, he can play center. He can play almost everything. Yeah. Um, so why not? You know what, though? I just can't shake it. Uh, Buccaneers are picking it, what, uh, 11? Mm-hmm. Let's say Ronnie Stanley, round one. That's if he Ronnie gets past Stanley. the Ravens. You don't think he gets past the Ravens? I, for me, I don't think that happens at all. But it's your picks. Well, see, now I also don't believe Jack Coughlin's going at eight, or you know, wherever yeah. you had him. So well, be, I would, I'm just going. I'm just going on what seemed. Yeah, you know, like with, a fit. So in this, so with, I'll say Ronnie Stanley, but to me. They're looking like looking at left tackle. So if, if they have a left tackle available, if there's left tackle available on the board, I'm thinking that. Um, the the backup to that would be. I could see if one of the corners fell, they could go there as well. So if you're looking at a Mackenzie Alexander or Vernon Hargraves, if one of them fell, they would fit. What so, about a Kendall Fuller in round two? Kendall well, 
Yeah, see, to me, now, if I were to pick it perfectly for the, for the Buccaneers, I would say the combination of Ronnie Stanley round one and then, you know, Kendall Fuller or um, maybe Xavier Howard from Baylor, like somebody like mm-hmm. that in a round two. Um, to me, that is the combo, like left tackle corner. So uh, th- it depends on if the left tackle is there in round one or if the corners there around one. So let's say the left tackle is not there. You go, you know, McKenzie Alexander, and then round two, maybe you go Spriggs, or you go Ifedi, something along those lines. Interesting. I'm, I was sort of thinking, you know, Gerald McCoy's and uh, Levante David have been running that defense, nothing help them. Mm, yeah. Well, and if you found the guy out. in the draft. We have Quan Alexander. Don't sleep on Quan Alexander. Dude's suspended, although he's suspended. I'm not. He doesn't count. He's suspended. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, they got a decent slot corner. But yeah, that's about um, it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go with the Falcons. Um, this just seems natural for them. Leonard Floyd. It just seems something they will, they're going to do. It just seems... I can just see it. Interesting. Um, that, that, to me, is a very interesting pick. Um, this is where uh, Sterling Shepard goes in round two. All right. Hey. You get your four wide receivers and Justin Hardy, Muhammad Sanu, uh, Sterling Shepard, and then Julio. You know, Matt Ryan has no excuses. And you're not looking towards, you know, maybe a, I don't know, a Kevin Dodd or something like that at defensive end as opposed to uh, I personally Floyd. think Kevin Dodd gets taken in the 20s, 20s range. Yeah. The Falcons are at 18. Um, I just, but see, you know, Leonard, the Leonard Floyd is like, I, my question is more scheme schematically. Does Leonard Floyd kind of fit what they want to do as opposed to? It's either uh, that or it's for me. It's either they go uh, Leonard Floyd or Shaq Lawson. Okay, I, I think Shaq Lawson is probably more of a scheme fit than Leonard Floyd is. You know, Leonard Floyd is you know six foot six, two hundred forty pounds you know, kind of a movement linebacker. I, I, you can make an argument that he's a better 4-3 outside linebacker than he is a 3-4 outside linebacker. You said 6-6, six, six, Leonard Floyd? I'm pretty sure. The, no, you're thinking of probably Jarvis No, Jarvis Leonard Jones. Floyd. No, Leonard Floyd. Leonard Floyd's like 6 foot, too. We're talking about the outside linebacker from Georgia? Yes. I believe he's much taller than that. Let me check out the actual combine numbers. Hold on. Because now you're driving me crazy. <laughs> I don't, I'm pretty sure he's much taller than that. Let's see here. Yeah. Combine numbers. Six foot six, two hundred forty-four pounds at the combine. Okay, fun. He just 
play. He doesn't play like that, though. He doesn't even. No, that's look, what makes sense. He looks like but a look, wide receiver. He does now. See, at, and this is what drove me crazy, and this is why I never understood why people liked him. Um, and the other question I have too is, if you're six foot, remember at Georgia he was playing like more like 230 pounds. He bulked up after the season for the combine. Um, he barely 220 pounds his sophomore season. Yeah, and so to me it's like you want this guy to be an outside pass rushing, you know, three, four outside linebacker, but even Georgia used him in coverage more than they used him pass rushing. Like, I w- what I wonder is, can he catch? Maybe move him to tight end. Let's see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't, he wore 81, and I'm like, you defensive lineman should not be able to wear 81 because he quote-unquote looked like a wide receiver based on the numbers. Yep. And, like, people, running backs were, like, 40 or 44, and make for some reason I think they look a lot bigger. <laughs> Am um, I wrong? No, you don't. I don't know more thinking about it. No, not really. <laughs> no, I, think, I think you got something there. So, but 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 that would be my that would be my question. You know, schematically for Falcon. You know, does Leonard Floyd really fit, or you know, does a Kevin Dodd type, or even like you said. um, What's his face? Shaq uh, Lawson. You know, Shaq Lawson. Is he more? Because Shaq Lawson to me is more of a forty-three. I, I kind of like him more as a forty-three down lineman. Same thing with Dodd. You know, um, Floyd. I kind of think. You know, do, if they like Floyd to play kind of a um, to play like a forty-three strong outside linebacker, maybe. You know, because he does do pretty solid in coverage. Although I think he's kind of weak at the point of attack, to be honest. I thought he got blown off the ball a lot and tried to win with speed rather than power. Um, and I hate his pad height. You know, I I don't. This might sound crazy, but I could totally see Leonard Floyd playing middle linebacker. Nah, that's plain old nonsense. All right, next up, the Carolina Panthers. Oh, what was the uh, what was the round two for uh, Falcons? Um, Sterling Shepard. Oh, Sterling Shepard. That's right. Okay. Um, righty. So, who'd you say I had again? The Panthers. Panthers. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Sorry, my wife just texted me. Um, <laughs> definitely going deep. To me, they are in prime position to grab a defensive end. I think we spoke of uh, Kamalai Correa earlier. I think he's definitely in the mix at that spot. You don't uh, have a left tackle. Yeah, I know, but I kind of my the discussion in my head. If I'm the Panthers, is do you think you can find the left tackle at the end of the second round or not? And that's the debate I think you have to have. So. Your two positions are defensive end, and you're looking at offensive tackle. Which one wins out? I think offensive tackle because they get I think completely I'll... hammered in the play uh, in the Super yeah. Bowl. They didn't have a good enough left tackle, left guard, and right guard. So I'm thinking. Or right tackle. I'm thinking Spriggs. Mm-hmm. At left tackle for the Panthers makes a lot of sense to me. In round one or round two? Round one. 
he's not going to last around t- that late round two. Mm-hmm. Um, the Panthers to me are an ideal person to trade back out of round one. Ideal. Like if there's a team that wants to pull like a Minnesota Vikings to get Terry Bridgewater, that kind of move, they're the team that moves out. I think. Or to get Cordell Patterson, the Vikings always do that move. Yeah, they like to trade back round one. They trade back into round one. <coughs> it's uh, it's it's kind of their thing. And then defensive end at the end of round two. Man, who are they looking at the end of round two? That defensive end group's not the greatest. I would. That's be why bummed. I didn't take a defensive end at all. But put a Joshua yeah. Perry. They need a little bit of help. At the linebacker spot? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I I tend to disagree. I think for them, they end up playing at a lot of nickel and the combinations they have. Um, and the dream being very able guy. to interchange, inter, being able to interchange their um, because they don't really play with like a like a weak or a Sam or Will or a Sam. They play more of a traditional forty-three, where the outside linebackers are just outside linebackers. Um, I don't really think that they have the same kind of need there. But let's say, to me, I'm looking at, uh, you know who the tough ones, you know who we just forgot with the discussion with the Falcons, Noah Spence. I didn't even think of that. No, I didn't. Uh, no, I didn't. No, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, what about, oh, no. Yeah, what about a Sheldon Day, you know, at the end of round two? I can see that. Carl Nassib, maybe? I know he's long, I like that even better. I like Carl Nassib a lot um, as a five-tech. I think he converts really well to a five-tech. So maybe playing a strong side defensive end spot for them. Mm -hmm. And then you move Coney Ely to the weak side defensive end, Mm -hmm. which is where I think he's been in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, then you have Charles Johnson rotating in. Um and then you probably kick Nassib inside and your nickel. So, yeah, we'll say Spriggs and uh, Spriggs and Nassib. I like that combo. You know, it would be awesome if he went to the Giants with his brother, Brian Nassib. <laughs> All right, who do you got? I got the same. I oh. chose them because there's so many places to go. And so I didn't. I didn't have any limited options. Uh, round one. Let's give them Kevin Dodd. Okay. Uh, well, Kevin Dodd or Noah Spence, I think it's gonna be Kevin Dodd though. I think it's a. I think either one would definitely be in the discussion. Um, round two, Xavier Howard. Good one. It's a good. I think it's a good duo. Well, because they also just cut Brandon Browner this year, and he was got off. <laughs> yeah, but in the two days. And they got PJ Williams. He didn't take a snap last year to prove that on the But then they also got the guy from the CFO, which was pretty darn good, the number one corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I think your head's in the right place. Um, I think the combination of some sort of end or rusher and then corner, mm-hmm. that combo, I think it's a good combo. I just think there's 
said it safety. Said it safety? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the way their money's allotted, yes. <laughs> All right, who does that? That leaves me. Um... No, that's it for the no, South. Is the AFC or NFC South. Moving to the AFC, you get the cold. Yucky! Oh, no, no, actually, I will more than happy to get that job off of Ryan Grigson because I could do it better than he can. Um, <laughs> he is the one GM in the NFL where I will say I could run a franchise better than him. He's the only one. You know, he doesn't have, you know, he really doesn't have any say. Oh, Jamersey, who has all the say. I don't do think know that, right? any way Jermersay is telling him who he's taking in round one. Like, I don't think Jermersay said you have to take Born Warner. Maybe he was drunk, and maybe he was in one of his drunk tantrum modes, and he told him, you better take him or you're fired. Well, more likely he'd be on pills, too. <laughs> Can't forget the pills, dude. Lots of Xanax. <laughs> Which is Xanax and booze is kind of compounding it, I think, isn't it? I don't know. Really <laughs> weird. Like Xanax and Scotch, wonderful combination if you want to put down a horse. All right, back to the um, actual stuff at hand, not making fun of the Colts. I'm sorry, Colts fans, if any Colts fan happens to listen to this. Um, but, yeah, between your owner and your GM, sorry. I I, I, I pity you. I empathize. I, think I know the feeling. Every, all my Colts friends, they hate Brian Grigson. Well, they should. He sucks. <laughs> like I said, he's the, he is literally the only GM in the NFL. I will say unequivocally, I could be a better GM than. So that's that, that's saying a lot because you know I don't really value my own scouting ability. Um, definitely outside linebacker to me makes the most sense. What about bring- uh, O line? They got the quarterbacks killed last year. They that need a pass rush. They need a pass. Well, I know, but they need a pass rush. This is another one of those teams where they need both, and it annoys the crap out of me. Um, what number are they selecting at in round one? Two, uh, for, uh, I also forget. What number are they selecting think, at? Um, 18 or 19. 18 or 19, okay. Um, I think a Taylor Decker, if he's there, makes a lot of sense. See, the problem is there's only a few of these kind of guys, and there's going to be a lot of competition to get them. So, yeah. See that that would be my that would be my debate. You know, is are you going to be looking at offensive line or outside linebacker? But to me, Noah Spence, as much as he has issues, he is so freaking talented. He's one of the few guys I'm giving a round one grade to. I think he goes higher. You see, no, I, think I think the sort of off the field scares people. I think the off the field scares people, sort of like people are scared of like Greg Hardy. I know two different things. Yeah, but anytime you hear about different. off the field issues, you sort of think, okay, how bad is it? Um, yeah. And I think that's where he goes. I don't think Gregson cares on any of character. No, but I think what's going to happen is people are going to dig into Noah Spence and they're going to find out that his off-field issues aren't really that bad. They're kind of, you know, they're. it's not like he went and beat a bunch of women. You know what I'm saying? You, you know, and so um, I, I that's why I think, you know, the idea of him going top 10 is legit. You know, top 10, top 15. So I think your combination, I think the three guys you're looking at, if you're the Colts, you're looking at, you know, Taylor Decker, um, 
you're looking Jack at Cochran. Leonard Floyd, and you're looking at Noah Spence, and you're going to see who falls. You know, one of those three. Taylor Decker's probably going to fall. I to me, the one that makes the most sense is either Taylor Decker or um, Leonard Floyd, but I'm not sure. You know, one of those two, I think, definitely does. Well, and then, they do need speed at, at linebacker. Yeah, I think they could use some speed at linebacker, but with this linebacker class, or you're what about like Reggie Raglan? If Reggie Raglan, if he fell. They do run a 34. If they wanted the inside thumper, it would make sense. Darren I can Lee. see it. I can see, yeah. I mean, if you're talking speed of linebacker, the guy you're talking about is Darren Lee. Uh, mm-hmm. But to me, he's a 43 will. Like, I look at Darren Lee, and I want to put him with, uh, who's the team where he fits more ideally? Uh, I have to look at that. I have to look at the actual draft thing. But, like, I want to stick him with, I even consider like the Cardinals or Seattle, um, something like that. Like I want to put him somewhere where he's going to be in space. You know, he's going to be a run and hit guy. Uh, you know what would be a dream scenario for me? Is Richard Rifflin fell to my Cardinals? That would be that would be a be dream scenario, but that will never happen. No, well, but that'd be interesting. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so let's say in round one they go. Say for the matter of discussion, they go with like a um, Taylor Decker, and then in round two, you know I think they're then going to be looking towards your pass rush. And the question is, do they want a down lineman or do they want an outside linebacker? What about and Chris in this case. He just been yeah, I was going to say, in this case, today. I think... He gets he yeah, got arrested today for a DUI. So that, like, down where it should mm-hmm. go. Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, the ownership there, Ursay loves, uh, you know, he loves his DUIs, so it's no problem taking the guy. <laughs> so I think Chris Jones, round two, makes sense, you know. And then I think round three, you're looking at, uh, you're going to start digging into maybe that outside linebacker group. Um, hopefully the Raiders taking Gaku, so he's not there. Um, well, it- well, in round three, I think they could be looking at a tight end. Uh, Nick Finnett, or if the guy from Arkansas, Hunter Henry's there. Because you look at what's behind Dwayne Allen, not a whole lot. The Colts are a team, to me, that could be one of those teams that looks at Michael Rivera. It goes and gives up, like, a fourth-round pick for him. Is they got a guy, Nick Boyle, I think his name is? No, not Nick Boyle. Boyle is with the Ravens. Yeah, I know. Ravens down. But dealing with Rivera gives them a move tight end slash slot wide receiver. And I think what's going to happen is the closer we get to the draft, oh, Jack you're going to hear you're going to hear these guys like Rivera and like Niles Davis get more interest because people are going to realize closer to the draft where things are going to start to fall. And this tight end class. <laughs> Sucks the big one. Like, really There's three guys I, you know, even consider taking. Um, of course, you got Hunter Henry, you got yeah. Hooper from Stanford, and you got Nick Finette, Ohio State. And the only one I really have any really strong feelings on to me is Hunter. He's the only one but I have any confidence in. 
I don't think he makes it to the third round. No way. I can't. I can see him. I can see him going late one to a tight end hungry team that jumps the shark on him a little bit. Although he should probably go round two. So um, I see uh, Austin Hooper going to a team like the Colts because they have all they have behind Wayne Allen is Jack Doyle. Jack yeah. Freaking- exactly. But to me. And the other thing, too, if, if we're going to get down to what the um, what Stanford does best, they operate best with one running back and two tight ends. That, so that's, what, or, the Colts, that's what the Colts do best. I'm sorry. That's what I meant to say. So the Colts do best. And I think they're done wanna, looking at Stanford tight ends after the last one called the team out. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, but point being... Um, and that's where Andrew Luck has most experience reading the game as well. And where Andrew Luck, what he did really well with Stanford and what they did really well with him was take a tight end, put that tight end in motion, and allow that tight end to expose the coverage. That's what they did very well. It, it, it kind of copied the early days of what Peyton Manning used to do um, when he used two tight ends. And I'm going back to that. We talk about depth, but... You're you're gonna need number two tight end no matter what a reliable one. Wayne Allen has never played sixteen games. So yeah, to me, I, I definitely could see them being a team that trades for Michael Rivera. Um, although he's not a great inline blocker, he'll do all the pass receiving you need, and he will be an admirable attempt at blocking. So <laughs> all, right, let's, all right, let's finish this up and we get to go real soon. Yeah. Um. I will go with the Jaguars, um, my, or Miles Jack, and then round two, I think they go, uh, Jolden Day. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. Um, you Thanks. have the Texans, who are also $8 million underneath the cap. <laughs> After signing right. Brandon freaking Whedon. <laughs> Alright, uh, the Texans. <clears throat> I could see them taking uh, Treadwell in the first. And then... After they drafted that guy last year from Arizona, Jalen... Uh... Ram- uh, Smith? No, Jalen. No, no, no. Um, yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. I can't believe I can't remember his name. Uh, crap. Yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. Uh, yes. After they have him in Cecil Short? They also have Cecil Short. Screw Cecil Short. He's no long-term solution in the wide receiver. Just get real. Um, uh, Strong. Jalen Strong is he talking about. Uh, yeah. That's the reason why I can see it is because in that particular division, the way the ability to spread teams out is going to help them out at times, even if they run. Um. So I could see Laquan, and I think they're going to get value if they go with, like, a Laquan Treadwell. So to me, Laquan Treadwell round one makes a lot of sense. And then round two, uh, the, the other thing I could see them doing is rolling with, a, like, a Darren Lee. And the reason is with, like, a guy like Darren Lee, uh, I think they need someone who's fast that they can put in space to chase stuff down, opposite of Brian Cushing. Uh the other thing, uh, or the, other, the only other the thing I would debate with them is a Carl Joseph type. 
Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they take the risk of Carl Joseph there. Uh, you know what? Screw it. Let's say they take Carl Joseph round one, and then round two, um, we'll give them we'll give them the receiver round two. Sterling Shepard. No, I want someone who's going to be. Uh... Actually, you know what? No, 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 no. Get, I, no, I want someone who's going to be outside. Let's do uh, Corey Coleman. Ooh. No, he's not going to fall. Corey Coleman's not going to fall there. Two people are people are too high on Corey Coleman. Um, there's a few guys. Mike Michael Thomas from Ohio State. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I'm just trying to think of who's going to fall to that spot. You know, between your Coleman's and your Thomas and all those Dotson. cats. Like, does Dotson fall that far? I don't know. Dotson to me is the one guy who I think shows more elite traits than anybody, although I wouldn't call him elite. Ooh, ooh, ooh. The guy, the guy from Pitt. Oh, go. that's actually a really good idea. That's actually a good... Um, uh, come on, you're supposed to remember names. I can't. No, I like that. Tyler. Because that, you're going to be able to move him around and do more with him. He can also play... He's got a, yeah, he's got a lot more professional route experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, good call. Good call. And he has... Uh, Experience with Tom Savage just gets brought back when they don't work. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, good. That's a good call. Uh, all right, so you're up with uh, the Tennessee Titans. Yes, the Titans. Uh, of course, it's going to be Lermy Tunsil. I don't know why there's a debate anymore. Um, in round two, if they're helping the quarterback. They need a quote unquote number two wide re- or number one wide receiver. Is Kendall Wright the number pure number two? Um, yeah. Yeah, but it's a really number one wide receiver in this draft. Then you, DB, you have DBG, who's still very raw and needs time. I think yeah, but still, if anybody could be a number one, it is DBG. Mm-hmm. Well, Justin Hunter could be a number one, but. He'd never be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm going to be double dipping a little bit on this. I think I said I'm Rashard Higgins, I think, in Brown's Hill. Okay. I see, I see where your head's at. <laughs> All right, so Rory, I will let you get back to what you do. Uh, you can follow my holistic underscore pickle. Yep. Blogaby.com. Uh, we will see you again next week, Rory. Absolutely. I'll be putting up a poll tonight about um, uh, what the right for this week's uh, content. So I've been doing that a little bit more frequently, asking. You know, people will like, give them a couple options, see what they'd like to see, prefer to see. Uh, we have a lot, so many writers at um, JBB that, you know, a lot, several of them do, you know, prospect breakdowns and stuff like that. So I like to kind of get away from that bubble. So I'll put some stuff there. Uh, so people who want to follow me, check that out and vote. Uh, that'll be there. Um, and yeah, otherwise, that's really it. All right. Thank you, Rory. All right, take care. Take care.
that was really interesting. Pretty, pretty soon we're going to have a David Cumberland. We're going to go to a fantasy mock. And we're going to discuss who's worth uh, to be picked in the first round.
got a couple guests coming on. Uh, friend of mine, Logan, will be on in just a moment. I think this is Logan who just joined us. Logan, is that you? Logan? Yes. Hello? Uh, yep. Yep. We're getting ready. Um, Pretty soon, I'm having a guest on, Mr. David Trumlo. We're at nine my time. We're going to be doing a two-round fantasy map. Um, but you were my fantasy league last year. Is there any guys this year who deserve consideration for the first-round draft pick? For the first-round draft pick? Yeah. There's a lot of guys. Obviously, you've got to look at, like, your first overall pick being Antonio Brown. That's kind of the consensus number one overall, I'd say, him and Julio Jones. But then there's kind of this, like, lake of other guys that are just kind of floating around in there that you can make the case for. Generally, I think this year you want to go with a wide receiver number one overall, but there's a lot of talent that could go number one overall in fantasy drafts. It's really a wide variety of people going on. Of course, last year in a few leagues, I took Gronk number one overall. That worked until he got hurt. <laughs> uh, I try to change it up every year. Um, um, James Coe has been trying to have the idea that um, David Johnson will be, should be the number one overall pick, which is absurd. Your thoughts on that? Um, we have Andre Ellington and Chris Johnson feeling carried. Yeah, I kind of um, agree with David Johnson being this um, number one pick, number one or um, first round pick. If you're like at that ninth or tenth spot, you're going to be looking for someone because like there's this 
elite guys, you know, you've got your Julio Joneses, your Antonio Browns, your Adrian Petersons, Todd Gurley's, but then once those guys are off the board and you're, like, looking at the 10th overall pick, there's not going to be much of that elite talent left. And I think even, like, you look at a guy that's, like, proven himself and you look at David Johnson and what he did last year, I feel like his ceiling is a lot higher some of these guys who have proved themselves. So I feel like David Johnson's kind of a risky first-round pick, but I feel like he could be successful. And I feel like if you do, you'll end up being happy with yourself afterwards. Me personally, I wouldn't I wouldn't take him in the first round or second or third. I sort of think it's going to be a repeat of last year. They're going to use E.J. Anders, or not E.J. Anders, but Chris Johnson and Andre Ellington early in the year and then let David Johnson hammer it when come playoff time. Yeah, I mean... It's a tricky offense to understand. Yeah, I feel like David Johnson showed that he's kind of... I don't want to say the best back in that backfield, but I do feel like he's... I mean, they used him as a goal line back during the season, and that worked out really well. And despite the fact they may not be getting yards as a goal line back, he's getting those touchdowns. So, I mean, that's something you could also bank on, although if that's that does end up being the case, you're right, I wouldn't spend a first-round pick on him. If you look at guys that you would probably spend a first-round pick on, or the, a number one overall pick, you go probably Le'Veon Bell. Um, you go, I still see Jamal Charles up there. I know he's on a torn ACL, but last time he did it, he was number one fantasy back number one or number two the year after he tore it. So I sort of see a resurgent in a way. Yeah, I sort of would prefer taking a um, wide receiver by the number one overall pick, probably Antonio Brown. But if I if I do end up taking a running back number one overall, probably an unpopular choice, but I'd go with Todd Gurley. I mean, this guy's coming off a monster rookie season. And, you know... The quarterback situation in St. Louis is just kind of meh. And so you're going to – there's they're going to hand off the ball a lot. And if he can stay healthy throughout the entire season, which didn't look like it was much of an issue last year, I feel like he can be that kind of – he can be one of those guys that carries your team all the way to a championship. Where do you think Calvin Benjamin's going to go? What was that? Where do you think Calvin Benjamin's going to go? Calvin Benjamin, people, I feel like, are going to kind of forget about him, and then, like, you know, August is going to roll around, and, you know, that hype train's going to get back up on board. Everyone's going to jump aboard the Calvin Benjamin hype train, and I feel like I don't have ADPs in front of me. I'd like to see where he's at, but I feel like he's going to end up going maybe fourth to fifth round. I feel like that. That's where I feel comfortable taking him personally. I wouldn't feel comfortable thinking on him until I fourth round because, you know, he's coming off of this injury that kept him out for the entire season and, like, all the preseason. So I don't well, want to... Well, he played in one preseason game. It was a torn ACL. Um, he was never a guy who was a burner, sort of ran the slow 40 time. Uh, he wasn't really sharp in the hips at all. He was just uh, one of those guys. He threw the ball, he jumped up and grabbed it. Uh, one of those big bodies. I think you can get a bargain with him maybe in the eighth or ninth round, and then possibly you want to get Devin Punches at the end. 
that he's supposed to are going to be vultures in If I'm taking any Panthers receiver, it'd probably be Calvin Benjamin. I don't really want to deal with those other guys that are in the <laughs> You're not going to deal with Ted Ginn this year? What was that? You're not going to deal with Ted Ginn again this year? Ted Ginn, I feel like he's just, I don't know, he could be one that if I'm like, I'm looking at like what's left and I see him just kind of hanging out there in like the ninth or the tenth round, I'd probably take him, but it kind of depends on where he falls. Like I'm not going to be the first to jump jump right at Ted Ginn and be like, oh, he's going to be the guy because Calvin Benjamin is <laughs> coming back, so he's not going to get the target. So. Now, are you one of those types that like to handcuff your running back or any of your players? I don't tend to handcuff my players, but there there can be some guys that I will end up handcuffing if they have a wide injury history. But if they have, like, a lot of injury history, I generally try to stay away from them in drafts. So. Uh, for, like, a guy... Like Gronk, people are with Martellus Bennett, but you got to handcuff him. No, I go with the next best tight end available. I go probably later and get look at Greg Olson. And in our draft this year, I'm going to have a flex where you can put your tight end in your flex. And so if you want to play two tight ends, a wide receiver or running back, you can go ahead and do that. Um, I mean, you're talking about like handcuffing Gronk. I feel like you don't really need to handcuff your tight end. I feel like if you have Gronk, you're you should be said there's just that chance that he can get injured. But there's there's a lot more talent coming in at tight end than there was in years past. So you're not gonna be hurting if you don't if you don't handcuff a Gronk, a guy like Gronk. You can most likely find someone off the waiver wire who who you can pick up. I think somebody who's gonna go insanely high at that position is Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed, yeah, he's definitely going to go, his draft position is going to go up. Um, Tyler Eifert and Gary Barnage are going to be two of the other ones. And, yeah, there's a lot more talent at that tight end. So I feel like, and even kind of going beyond that, you don't need to really draft Gronk as a first-round pick anymore because you can take, you can kind of rely on one of those guys like Eifert, Barnage, or Reed later. And it's kind of, it, it doesn't have the same, like, you know, going to get you 20 points a week like Gronk sometimes does, but it's going to be, it's going to pay off for you and you still have that great tight end. All right, so like in the fifth round, I'm going to still be doing this. I'm going to be taking Seabass or <laughs> uh, Jankowski, or yeah, Gaskowski. I'm one of those people who has to take my either Seabass or Gaskowski, Gaskowski way too early. What was that? I always have to take my kicker early. For some reason, I always take a sea bass. I don't know why. I just sort of a trend. It's either him or Gaskowski for me every year. And if they're gone, I go Justin Tucker. Yeah, Gaskowski's kind of the best kicker in the league. But I feel I never really draft a kicker. And if it is, it's in like that one of those last two rounds. And I'll pick up a guy like, you know, Robbie Gold is always kind of overlooked in fantasy drafts, and you've got, like, you know, Justin Tucker hanging out there. I mean, there's, I don't so, want many, my guys there's so many good kickers in the league, and they don't really get you many points in fantasy anyways. They can rack up sometimes, like, 15 points if you're lucky, but I feel like they're not that much of a pivotal position. 
Yeah, I just don't, I want a reliable kicker who won't lose me points at the end of games by missing these kicks. Yeah, so that's why I go. Uh, has to be way too early because he doesn't miss any kicks. Right. What was that? I'm you like I'm getting feedback. Hmm? I can't. I couldn't hear what you were saying. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I was saying I just don't want any of my kickers to miss any of the kicks during the regular season. That's like that's Pesky's the best choice. He never misses any kicks. And yeah, I don't want to lose fantasy points yeah, at the end of each game and lose. Yeah, you definitely want a reliable kicker. I just feel like it's not a pivotal position in a draft. I feel like if you are going to draft a kicker, you do it in later rounds. You don't really worry about it really early in the draft because that's when you want to get your guys who are going to kind of be those elite guys and those guys that you're kind of taking a little bit of a chance on, but you're not going too far. So, like, you know, those wide receivers, running backs, sometimes quarterbacks, but I wouldn't necessarily take a quarterback until, like, the seventh round, and then you just kind of go from there after after you have all those guys. Mike Evans, uh, he's sort of disappointing at times last year, but still uh, delivered in quite a few games. I think he's finally built that rapport up with James Winston. Uh, I'd take him in the sixth round. I would say fifth, but I don't take a wide receiver in the fifth. I take my pick for some reason. Were you talking about Mike Evans? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've tended to stay away from Mike Evans just because I don't like to buy into this kind of rookie season hype. I don't. I, it's just, I don't know. Cause Four 13 like, touchdowns. So- Thousand yards this rookie year. Well, you see, there's always that kind of sophomore slump that these receivers. And gr- granted, Mike Evans didn't have that, but I don't tend to buy into like the second year receiver kind of thing. I mean, I tried to pick him up in some leagues his rookie year because he was playing fantastic. But I just feel like so- that sophomore slump does happen to a lot of wide receivers, and it is something to watch out for. I was that person to drop Odell Beckham in his first year before he even played. Yeah, I mean, you can take your chance on a guy like that, and he can really produce. I feel like the guy who's going to be that guy next next year, the guy I'm really high on that's kind of wide receiver, is Kevin White. And he's going into his second year, but he hasn't really played in the NFL, so he's still kind of essentially a rookie, you could say. He's coming into his rookie season. I know it's not, you know, technically correct, but that's essentially what it is. And I feel like he's going to come out there and he's got Alshon Jeffrey on the other side, and I feel like he can really produce in that Bears offense. Talk about what the what the Bears are going to do at tight end. What the Bears are going to do at tight end, did you say? Yes. But what are they going to do at tight end? They just trade away Mark Post Bennett. I mean, they have Zach Miller back there who had a – he played real well that second half of the season, and I feel like he's going to be that number one guy. Now that number two is kind of open to interpretation, I don't know what's going to happen there, but, I mean, only time will tell. Where are you drafting Alshon this year? Uh, 
I'm taking Alshon. I'm probably taking a chance on him in the second round. I don't want to go ahead and jump on him in the first round just because there's so much talent readily available. And I know I've said, you know, guys like David Johnson could sneak in there. I'd take him late first, early second. I feel like he can be one of those guys that kind of sneaks into, like, the ninth overall, tenth overall pick. And if he doesn't, then you can do it. You could pick him up, like, I wouldn't say lucky, but you could pick him up in, like, the early second round. I feel like he's going to have another great year this year. Um, I'm trying to think of, guys, are you taking a chance on Mr. Golden State again this year? You, you were really it? quiet. I cannot hear a word you're saying. Sorry. Um, are you taking another chance on Golden Tate this year? Am I taking a chance on Golden Tate? Mm-hmm. Sort of burned you at the moment, at the end of last year. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I will. I think I'm. I think I'm gonna. I. I mean, Calvin Johnson's retiring, which kind of makes him that number one guy, but then you look like Mervyn Jones, who they picked up where he he could fall into that system. But I don't feel like Golden Tate, like when Calvin Johnson was gone, Golden Tate played a phenomenal game, but I don't feel like he's been, can he keep that up through the whole season? That's the question you've got to ask. Are you drafting anyone off the Lions? Am I drafting anyone what? Anyone off the Detroit Lions. Um, running through that. Off the line, I don't think I really draft anyone off the Lions. I mean, you've got Matthew Stafford, who you could take a chance on, but you know you don't want to get burdened by him, especially because he just has no wide receivers. I mean, he's a talented quarterback, yes, but you don't want to. He has no one to throw to, and you don't want to get stuck with that quarterback who has no wide receiver options, and then you're getting burned because he can't he can't produce in his offense. So I feel like. He's the only guy you can you could consider taking, but no, I'm not, I wouldn't take a chance on him this year. Uh, are you touching Marvin and Jones or Amir Abdullah? Amir Abdullah, you see, that running back position in Detroit is so hazy. He's going to be, I believe, um, Jim Caldwell said he's going. Amir Abdullah is going to be the starter. But after what he did last year, I don't know if you want to take that chance on him. I mean, you definitely could. I wouldn't recommend it. But And then you mentioned um, Marvin Jones. Mm-hmm. He's going he's gonna to be an interesting one come draft time because you're going to be looking at like at those guys kind of like, like seventh or eighth round. You're going to be like, okay, who's left? You're going to look at you're going to look at what's left, and there's not going to be much, and you may end up taking a chance on Martin Jones. So, I mean, it just kind of depends. Are you going to touch Eric Ebron at all? What was that? Are you going to even touch Eric Ebron as a waiver, maybe? Or? I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't touch Ebron at all. <laughs> I would just stay away from him. Uh, I just can't wait for the fantasy season after the draft. Yeah, it's coming up. Like, I'm already, like, kind of working out a draft strategy. I'm really excited for this year in fantasy because it's, it's going to be an interesting one. You had a lot of guys that kind of broke free last year. Like, you know, Thomas Rawls came in out of nowhere, David Johnson, Jeremy Langford, Zach Miller, and Mike Bearside is really showing. But, you know, you've got a lot of these guys who just came out of nowhere, and it's going to be interesting to see where they end up falling come draft time. 
Yeah, uh, a guy like Thomas Rawls is very interesting. Coming off a broken ankle, um, I can see somebody taking a chance on him in the first round. I won't be that person. Um, I sort of like my guys to be, you know, 16 games proven. Um, yeah, I don't like Thomas Rawls as a first-round pick. If anything, I'd take him late second, early third. But I don't want – I don't – I want my first-round pick to be someone I know I can rely on to play 16 games in the season and that can produce week after week. I don't want to – I don't want to take a chance on someone who had an ankle injury – and that we know can produce, but can he stay healthy? That's kind of the question with Tom, Thomas Rawls. So, are you going to be drafting Zeke Elliott? Depending where you land, or who's a, a Zeke Elliott to draft? Mm-hmm. Yeah, w- will you draft him, or does it depend on where he goes? Um, it depends on where he goes, for one, and it also depends on what he does during the preseason. Because drafting rookies in fantasy is always kind of a bumpy road because you don't know what they're going to do come regular season time. So you kind of need to rely on what you've seen in the preseason to kind of lead you in the right direction, and that can always be misleading. So I tend to stay away from rookies, but time after time I'll go ahead and take a shot on one. So. Speaking of rookies for me, my I started fantasy football about four years ago. Uh, the first time I took all rookies was the uh, at one position was when I got Mike Evans, Benjamin, and Brandon Cooks in year one. Yeah, for that, I mean, look, look at the people who came into last year and took Todd Gurley in their fantasy drafts, and they were absolutely ecstatic the entire year because he played. Really hello, hello, hello. Sorry about and that. Uh, David? Yes, and then David, I'm here. How are you doing tonight, Isaiah? Doing well. I'm here with Logan. Uh, hi, Logan. Hey, David. How are you doing? Very good, thanks. Uh, looking forward to um, uh, get the fantasy football season uh, started uh, a little early. Well, because in my opinion, it always officially starts with the draft because we are looking at uh, these prospects and where they um when where they go and uh where we should pick up in our fantasy drafts. Uh, so you ready do you wanna get started Logan? You wanna get on a fantasy mock? Uh I'll let you have to yeah. Let's do a mock indeed. It's gonna be a three person mock. <laughs> it's sort of yeah. gonna be really short, but we're going to go up 10, and we're going to do another one for, like, a second round. Yeah, so uh, 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 is this going to be a mock for, a, like, a 10-team league? Yeah. Yeah, sounds perfect. Okay, so it's just a mock for a 10-team league, but only, like, the first three of each round, or are we just kind of going one, two, three, we're... and then four, five, six of the, of the yeah. first round? Yeah, the, like, the one, two, three, and then four, five, and, you know, six, seven, you know, and then person who, uh, well, we'll just go through it and we'll just sort of tease it. Okay, who's going to pick first? Uh, Logan, then you, David. Okay, got it. And then you. Okay, I'm going first. Mm-hmm. All right, um, if I'm getting the first overall pick, I'm going to go with Antonio Brown. Just 
straight up. I don't need to say anything more. Antonio Brown. Yeah, um, I can't argue with can't argue against that at all. I definitely agree. Antonio Brown. Um, I'm surprised he isn't mentioned as a possible first round pick. But if I had to go number two, um, interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it's confusing because Antonio Brown is definitely like a, a slam dunk here. But if I had to go number two, I would go with. It's, well, let's assume his knee is fine in time for the regular season. And if that is the case, I'm going with Le'Veon Bell, number two. Your turn, Isaiah. Uh, I'm going to stick with an, still one of my personal favorites. I'm still good Jamal Charles. Oh, fascinating. That's, yeah, that's an interesting one. You guys seem more high on running backs in the first round. I feel more comfortable kind of going wide receiver. but Well, going wide receiver from the last year didn't really help me at all. It burdened me in the end. I didn't have any good running backs on certain teams. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some strategy involved. But, I mean, I feel like wide, I feel like you go on a wide receiver first, and then you can – Get your running backs later on. It's just kind of a matter of reference how you want to do it. But if I'm being given the fourth overall pick, uh, this one's because you've still got a lot of kind of elite talent there. You've got guys to look at like Adrian Peterson. You've got to look at Julio Jones and maybe even DeAndre Hopkins at that at that pick. I would I'd probably take the proven guy who's done it year after year, I'd take Julio Jones. Definitely not a a bad choice, especially uh, in uh, that uh, um, offense, given how uh, how the ex-receiver in the Shanahan-Kubiak offense is known for getting a voluminous amount of targets. So, uh, you could definitely expect another productive season from Julio, but this pick is interesting. You have uh, three distinct choices, or four or five distinct choices at fifth overall. You got Odell Beckham, you got Duke Hopkins, you got Gronk, although I wouldn't go for Gronk necessarily this early because I am more, uh, based on what happened last year, I'm, uh, I believe the crop of tight ends in fantasy is better uh, in 2016 than it was last year. Uh, but you can could you you can always consider Gronk, especially in in the offense they're going to have this year, uh, and obviously Adrian Peterson and uh, so Odell Beckham, Nuke Hopkins, Todd Gurley, Adrian Peterson, and Gronk. Um, it's it's a hard choice. There, it's very Todd very, Gurley very, already been No, he hasn't. It's very 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 close. Uh, so far, uh, um, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so far, Julio Jones, uh, Jamal Charles, Le'Veon Bell, and Antonio Brown have been picked. And with the fifth pick, I will go with... I will go with... 
I will go with Odell Beckham Jr. Very, very solid. Uh, with pick, uh, Todd Gurley. All right, you're taking Todd Gurley six. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Right. I'm staying away from Adrian Peterson. He burned me a couple of years in a row. Not last year, but the year before. So I'm, and... being, given, I'm being given the seventh, the seventh overall pick. Thinking you're taking Adrian guys. Peterson? I'm thinking about the crap of guys you've got left, and the two choices that immediately spring to mind are Todd Gurley and New Hopkins. Or not Todd Gurley, my bad. Adrian Peterson and New Hopkins. And I feel like... I feel like Adrian Peterson's the best bet out of the two, so I'm going to go AP. Am I up? Yep. All right. With the seventh pick, I believe that that I am um, hovering between Gronk and New Hopkins. And uh, and Gronk is great, but uh, he could lead the league... Now, come to think of it, I think this is where you consider Gronk because with Bartellus Bennett there, he's not going to be double covered at all. Who are you going to double cover? Either one of them. He's not going to. He's going to see more single covers than he's ever seen in his life. I am going with Gronk. Man, interesting pick. I feel like the tight end, the tight end, crop of fantasy is going to be a lot better this year. Like you said, I feel like I wouldn't take a tight end until later. Okay, uh, the, the, the that is a good point, but Gronk is definitely tempting because of the upside play with Martellus Bennett, though. So, so, so it's a two-way street there. That's very true. Um, Mr. Bull Carroll has just joined us. Uh, hey, Bill. Hey. Um. Well, let's just let him hop in. Uh, let's sort of recap who's been taken. Uh, Antonio Brown went one, two went. Um, Wait, Lady on Bell. <laughs> okay. Uh, number Very three went Paul Charles. Oh, okay. Here we go. And guys with blown ACL heavy. Okay. Five went Julio. <laughs> Okay. Six. Well, at least Julio's got good ACLs and. Uh, six went Odell. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, six guy. went Odell. Yeah. And six went Gurley. And okay. seven went uh, Gronk. Seven went AP. Eight went Gronk. No, AP, yeah. then Gronk. 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 Okay. So we're at we're on number now. nine. Interesting. Okay. Bill, you're up. Okay. Oh. Uh, All righty. Uh, <laughs> sure, why not? Um, uh, let's see. Huh, I zoom, I zoom, I zoom. No, let's see here. Um, whew. you know, someone I think is going to have a big year next year. He probably won't go this early in most people's drafts. He's going to have a monster year next year. Uh, is the artist formerly known as the Muscle Hamster? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going this high, but he's going to have a monster year. He's going to have a big old bounce back year. 
Uh, Tampa Bay is about to have one of the better – you heard it here first, or maybe not here first, but you heard it here. One of the better offenses in football next year will be Tampa Bay. Uh, they, I uh, agree. They're, they're, they have been a monster on the come for a little while, and this is the year they kind of break through. Uh, Jameis is about to have about a 31 touchdown, 13, 14 interception kind of year with 3,900 yards passing. Uh, Doug Martin's going to have about 1,480 yards uh, rushing and then another 300, 400 yards receiving to toss in on top of it with about about maybe 12 or 13 total touchdowns between rushing and receiving. He's about to have a monster year. Now, I don't know if he'll actually get picked here by anybody, but he should. He's going to have a giant, stinking, huge, godly wampus year. And he already had 1,200 yards last year. You think he's, he's going to have a couple? Hundred, he's going to have a couple hundred more this year. That's the offense as a whole is going to be one of the better offenses. Remember what the Saints' offense used to be? Sorry, Saints. Remember what the Saints' offense used to be like? Um, and they never had a running back as good as Doug Martin, quite frankly. Uh, the closest they had was Yankee Bush, but they were afraid to give him the ball 20 to 25 times a game. They always gave him the ball 12 to 15 times a game. But the best running back the Saints have had in decent memory, and, of course, this might be recent to you guys because you're younger, was Deuce McAllister. And look at the kind of years. He, he had a short prime, about a three-year prime. But look they also, at his didn't, he prime. His, didn't he tear his patella tendon? He got hurt a lot, actually. Uh, Deuce was a big, upright-running power back. He was like a slightly smaller version of Derrick Henry. He was six one and a half and 228 to 236 or so pounds, depending on what year you caught him. And faster than Henry, he was a, a 4-4 guy, but a big power back with speed, but not tremendous change of direction. And he had, like I said, about a three-year prime where he was one of the best running backs in football. And then, like so many big backs who take a lot of hits, you know, like by the time he was 27 or 28, he was starting to wear down. And, you know, he had one more good year, and then he hung him up. But getting back to this team, Tampa Bay, they're about to have one of the better young tight ends in the league. Uh, Austin Ferry and Jenkins, who, frankly, was immature. He came out early um, and still got drafted fairly early, but he was a guy that wasn't ready quite frankly, to play in the NFL. He just came out early because of the weak class of tight ends. And he got drafted earlier than he frankly deserved to be because he has a, you know, he's a huge kid with talent. But he was just immature. He was a kid. I mean, he, he was a guy that didn't know how hard it was to be a good NFL football player, how much he had to work. Now he's had a couple of years, he's figured out, oh, oh, this is hard. i got to stay in shape all year round. You know, i got to stop eating deep dish pizza and chocolate cake and whatever else he was eating. I mean, the kid was, I don't know if you saw him his last season at uh, Washington, but he is, he was probably 20 to 25 pounds over his listed weight. I'm willing to bet that kid was in the 280s at some point during his last season, his junior year at uh, Washington. He's now about 262 and can run again and is a better blocker than he was. He's still not a killer exactly, but He's about to have a big year. They're wide receivers. I mean, it's just it's pick pick a guy. There's Lynn Towers. Right. So a lot of people are going to be trying to take away Mike Evans, which is going to open up things for their other receivers. It's going to be a big year in Tampa Bay on offense. Now, 
their secondary is what's going to have to hold up. I mean, they have a chance to be one of the better teams in the league if they can get – they don't have a great pass rusher. They don't have a, a guy who – they don't have a Von Miller or a DeMarcus Bear or a – they don't have anybody, really. I mean, who's a, who strikes real fear in your heart as a pass rusher. So they need Jill, to have uh, cover. They need somebody to help Gerald McCoy on the edge. You're right. Yeah, exactly. So they well, need to cover that. Well, I mean, he's a blitzer, but he's not really a pass rusher in the conventional sense. My point is that they're going to get their, their sacks through covered sacks. So they need a secondary that holds up. But getting back to their offense, um, load up on Tampa Bay pieces this year. This is a good year to get Tampa Bay guys. Um, their number two receiver is going to have as many touchdowns as some team's number one receiver. So they're going to be a very productive offense. So, yeah, I'll, what the heck, I'll say muscle hamster. I'll say Doug or the Doug or not or whatever he wants to be called nowadays. But I think <laughs> okay, he's about to have a monster year. Okay, I, finishing out with round one, I will just select uh, new cop. Am I, am, am I beginning second round? Y- yes, you're beginning round two. All right, first off, I've kind of been silent for a while. I do want to say that I do agree that Tampa Bay is going to be a very productive offense this year. I do like all the points you guys are making. I was just kind of letting you guys do your thing more stay silent. But um, I feel like my for the first overall pick of the second round, I feel like it's going to be you guys are all going to swing one way or the other. And it's this could be split 50-50. But I feel like you take a chance on this guy. He's got tremendous upside. It just kind of depends on how they end up, if, if the team he's on ends up starting him or not, which I feel like they will end up doing so. And that guy is David Johnson because he's had he's Oh, had a, I have no problem he, with that. <laughs> That's, he had a that, I, debated, I debated with him. It was between he and Doug Martin, and I just think Martin will probably get a few more touches. Uh, but yeah, oof, I love David Johnson. He's a Monster. Oh okay, he had a monster rookie year, and if you look at you look at that, and you look at the upside this guy has, has if he's, I mean, I you look at him like he, first round, early second round. I'll here's, here, here's what he is. He's a bigger, he's a bigger, stronger version of Edger and James. That's what he is. He's a <laughs> he's a, that's what he is. He's a bigger, stronger version of Edger and James. He's a 227-pound version of Edwin James. He, I think he, if he were in this draft and people understood what he was, he'd be the best running back in this draft. No offense to Ezekiel Elliott. He's essentially the same thing as Ezekiel Elliott, but bigger and a little faster. Oh, yeah. If this guy played all of the season, I feel like he gives Todd Gurley a run for his money in Offensive Rookie of the Year. He sure did. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a freak. And he still holds all the running back weight room records at UNI. I mean, he is a monster in the weight room. This guy is ridiculous. Yes, and uh, also, uh, I believe it was uh, Tom Moore, the um, uh, uh, the Carl's assistant head coach, um, uh, offensive uh, um, uh, assistant, who um, uh, also compared David Johnson to, dare I say, Hall of Famer Franco Harris, for crying out loud. And uh, that, uh, they had to... And it's, it's not yeah, a, it's not a, it's not, it's not a bad it's not a bad comparison. He's a better receiver yeah. than Franco. Um, yeah, just as Even, just about as big. 
and probably a little faster. I mean, he's a really special special running back. I like the Edwin James comparison more than the Franco Harris comparison, but yeah, they are. He is a monster, and he will. He does have a bright career ahead of him. I feel like oh. he he is a great pick to kind of take late first, early second. Yes. Uh, yeah. If I'm in a, if I'm in a snake draft and I get one of those like back to backs, and if I keep able to get Doug Martin and David Johnson, I would be like, well, I got this league. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, that could very well be. And uh, you mind if I make my uh, make the next pick now? No, go ahead. All right. Speaking of running backs, I personally <laughs> think that this guy could arguably be the centerpiece of his offense this year, and his name is Lamar Miller. I knew it. Uh, Lamar Miller, and I don't mean to take anything away from Brock. Brock did what he had to do for the Broncos in his start, and he's going to have a similar role with with, with the Texans. He's going to be asked to mostly be a game manager, but make the big throws, like three or four big big plays a game. But it's going to run through Lamar Miller. Like if you watch those Broncos games with Brock Osweiler, a lot of those key games, like the game against the Patriots in the snow, obviously, and the that Monday night game against the Bengals, C.J. Anderson was equally, if not even more, instrumental to those Broncos wins and the, that offensive production as Brock was. And Lamar Miller, I think, is going to uh, uh, be his new C.J. Anderson and and take even more of a heavy role. Uh, in the offense with Brock being a game manager who can make you three or four big plays a game um, to, to to play to that strength of that defense. Lamar Miller is going to be the next – is will be my pick right here. That's definitely an interesting pick. I I've, like, always been a, I've always been a wait-and-see attitude of Lamar Miller. He really impressed me at times at, at Miami, and then would disappear, especially in big games. Um, I hate to say it, but he just his worst performances at Miami were Florida State, Florida. It was always the big games, you know. So, so it always bothered me. It was like, hmm. And then he gets the NFL, and you know, people are predicting great things for him, and he, you know, he, he's productive and he's good, but he never quite breaks through. He never becomes a top ten running back. I mean, this is the make or break year for Lamar Miller. If he doesn't become a top ten running back, if he doesn't become a guy that's, you know, thirteen hundred yards, four point five yards a carry, you know, another, you know probably three or 400 yards in receiving. If he doesn't do that this year, he probably throw them. So this is the make-or-break year for him. Yeah. Yeah, I feel uh, like he just, he's a guy that kind of fluctuates. Like, he'll have one great game, and he'll kind of let you down the next. Like, he can't really, he's yeah. kind of unreliable. And that's even back to college. That's even um, back to college, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had a bunch of five weeks. Sorry. Those are justifiable concerns, Bill, indeed. But uh, also, uh, do you kind of think that uh, the Dolphins' underutilization of him, especially under Joe Philbin, uh, uh, it could it didn't really give us a glimpse of what he actually can become? Well, and that's good. That, but that that can be brought up the question: Why? Why was he underutilized in a team where they knew they liked to run the football? Philbin likes he's a run kind of one first guy. He comes from the um, Turk Ferentz you know, coaching tree, right? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, he's off of the Iowa staff. What does that tell you? He's from running the football. There's got – that makes me leery. Like, if anybody would want to pound the rock, it would be Joe Philbin. That always worried me that he never said, hey, 
25 carries a game no matter what, you know, because <laughs> I, I thought that was what was going to happen when Philbin came in. That's the one thing I knew about Philbin was that he loved the running, run the running game. When I saw him not get utilized the way that I – because I thought that was going to be the make-or-break year for Lamar Miller. It's like, oh, well, Joe Philbin, he loves the running game. You know, Lamar Miller's finally going to be what people kept saying Lamar Miller was going to be. And then it didn't happen. I was like, hmm. So that worried me a little bit. Like, is, is Lamar Miller a guy that says, you know, hey, you know, I mean, I, I don't know this. but I don't want to speculate. But some running backs say, hey, I'm, you know, I need a blow or, you know, I'm a little sore. I mean, I don't know if he's if – he's, I'm just going to say it. I, my one question about Lamar Miller has always been mental and physical health. That's been my question about him going back to well, the first time I saw him have a great game in college. I was like, wow, hey, man, they have the next, you know, the next Portis, right? I was a huge fan of his initially, and then he would disappear. Like, well, what's, what's up? You know, and I need to have another great game. And so he needs to do what the Frank Gores of the world do. And no matter how you feel, go out, strap it up, and give your team whatever it is you've got. And if it's 88 yards on 27 carries and you just gut it out, or if it's 114 yards on 19 carries and you're lighting people up, but you, you show up to the, you know, answer the dinner bell, answer the bell every single time, right? That was what worries me about him. Now, this will be the year where we find out, I mean, if this doesn't happen this year, it's not going to happen because everything is aligned, right? Everything is aligned for him to have a monster year. So I hope you're right because I've, I've liked this guy going back to Miami, but he's always given me some reason to not really trust him. Yeah, he's definitely a guy I like as well. But, yeah, this is definitely going to be kind of that year for him where people make that decision, all right, is he a top-tier running back or is he not? It's kind of going to – this is going to be the year, this make-or-break year for Lamar Miller. Um, I, I sort of – I traded for him due to his schedule last year. He gave me five good games. I traded him way after that for – frankly, a better guy in Mark Ingram. Uh, and that's where I'm going to go with this next in Mark Ingram. Old Reliable for me. He, he nearly finished with 1,000 yards. Uh, he and got he'll, get you nearly a thousand, he'll get you nearly 1,000 again this year. I mean, if you're if you're cool with 890-some-odd yards and seven touchdowns, then you're going to love it. He, he wasn't top this running year, back. And he won't this year either. Mark it down. <laughs> How Man. dare you? <laughs> I'm not, dare, dare. Look, what's the best predictor <laughs> of future performance? What's the first thing you learn about? If you're going to be a scout, you're going to be a coach, you're going to be whatever, what's the best predictor of future performance? Past performance. When when has Mark Ingram had this monster year where he played every single game and gave you 100 yards or 80 yards, for 80 yards a game every game for 16 games? It hasn't happened. It's not going to happen. But enjoy. <laughs> uh, Logan, you're up. I'm up. Yeah, David's uh, stepped away, so it's just going to be back to three people. All right, so this is the fourth overall pick of the second round, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, so no, fourth second. overall, second round. This one's an interesting one now. Because you're kind of running out of those elite guys, I'd venture to say, and now you're kind of looking at He's kind of still a top tier guy, but I think this—I believe this is the third pick because he, uh, did, Bill had nine, I had ten. One, 
No, no, you were right. So I... There's... There are guys that you look at here, kind of, I'm looking specifically wide receivers, and I'm thinking guys like Jordy Nelson or Alshon Jeffrey are kind of the two that I look at now. And I feel like Jordy Nelson coming off the injury could swing either way. But then you look at a guy like Alshon who was on and off last year, kind of raises his worries too. But I don't can't think of any other options right off the top of my head. So choosing between Jordy Nelson or Alshon Jeffrey, I'm going to go with Jordy Nelson. Sorry, who did you pick? Actually, hung up the phone. Oh, I picked uh, um, Jordy. I picked Jordy. Yeah, Nelson. you just picked Jordy Nelson. I'm sorry. Jordy Nelson. I picked Jordy uh, Nelson. State yeah. University. By way of, I heard you, you know, this time. <laughs> Sorry about that. So who is next? Uh, Bill, why don't you just take over? Uh, sure, which has a few picks. Sure. Uh, Greg Olson. And on one of the highest scoring offenses, Ironically, uh, the top wide receiver is their tight end. And I don't think that's really going to change that much. Now, if if Benjamin Snay is healthy, I think that actually helps him. Uh, it means that he won't see any double teams. Uh, because you didn't have to double any of their wide receivers. You had to double him. That was the only guy well, once Benjamin Well, Benjamin, you're going to have to double a little bit. That's what I just said. Benjamin no. staying healthy this year will actually help him because it'll take away the double teams. That's what I just said. So if Benjamin stays healthy, I think that actually ends up helping him. Um, because I now he can't... I don't have a problem with that pick, but I don't like taking... I wouldn't like taking any tight end this early besides Gronk, and I'm not even sure I'd take any tight end at all this early, because you look at what's on the board. You had guys that had a breakout year last year, like Tyler Eifert and Gary Barnage and even guys like Zach Miller, and I just... Toby Fleener's like, on his own now. Yeah, I'm Wait, never taking Fleener. I would never take Fleener this high, but here's the thing. Well, I'm not That's talking about scoring... this high. I'm just talking about looking at guys yeah, like, that you can oh. take later. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't take any tight on this high. I'd wait well, here's what I'm saying. If I'm constructing a team, where are the positions where there's a severe drop-off? Tight end is one of those positions where there's a severe drop-off once you get past the first three or four guys. Mm-hmm. At wide receiver, you can find guys like Macklin and productive Brandon Cooks or whatever rounds after this. I but feel like a lot end, of people are still going to wait on tight end, though. I feel like you're going to Oh, they can, gone in the but, they'll, they but, they'll pay, but they'll for pay us. for it. But they'll pay for it. <laughs> they can, but they'll pay for it. If everyone waits on tight end, they won't. I feel, like, I feel like I'd wait until later on in the draft. I don't want to take my tight end in the second round. Oh, yeah. Sure. I mean, here's what I'm saying. There, at wide receiver, I can find productive players all the way to the end of the draft. At running back, even to a certain extent, I can find productive players all the way to the draft. The tight ends that are available at the end of the draft are usually terrible. So if you, so if, so if you want to get production at tight end, you 
if, at least in the leagues where I am, if you wait too long, you're going to end up hating yourself. Yeah, I'm not saying wait until like the wait till end of the draft, but I I did that one year and I ended up getting injured. I wait until at least the sixth or seventh round to take my tight end. I feel like you can get away with that. Well, what I, this is what I do. I always implement two tight ends because my flex is you can and now put exactly. tight ends in it. Now, for my and second always, tight end, I'll wait until the 7th mm-hmm. or 8th or 10th or whatever, yes. Well, I, what but I my, like to do is I like to go with two good, solid tight ends. Maybe I'll go Greg Olson. Maybe I'll go Travis Kelsey. Maybe I'll get both. Right, right. Exactly. That's been a deciding factor in a lot of the leagues I've been in tight end production. A lot of people do a good job of doing the other positions, and then they do what you do. They wait, and then they get from, you know, whoever – um, you know, Jeff Cumberland or whatever you know, <laughs> towards the end. And, you know, I beat their brains then. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's there could be a lot of guys you could um stream on the waiver wire after the draft as well. It just kind of depends. Oh, I'm sure there is. That, that crop is just kind of very, it's very small, but it's also wider than it has been. So it just kind of, it, yeah, you can pick and choose whether you want to go early or whether you want to go later. I just feel like it'd be more beneficial to go later. There's no, there's nothing wrong with that. But oh, you can you can do that. I'm just saying. Here's what I'm uh, we're just saying this year, um, Bill's also going to be in this league again. Uh, if you don't take a tie in, we will dominate you. We're, <laughs> That's what I've discovered. Just... I've discovered that people are finally woken up to the fact that in certain offenses, the tight end scores more touchdowns than any other receiving person. Um, obviously, Gronk being the most obvious example, but Kelsey, right, is probably going to have probably going to lead his team in touchdown receptions this Ertz, year as well. You got Ertz, you got Eifert. Yeah, I don't know if Ertz is going to lead his team in, in touchdown receptions, but he's probably going to be in the top two or three on his team in touchdown receptions. This but is I mean, what I did last year. I grabbed Eifert and I grabbed Ertz in one of my leagues. I'm not, uh, and that helped me I'm out. Not even, I'm not even looking Ertz's way in the draft. If he comes, if he comes up and yeah. I'm just like bye bye. I'm not even looking his way, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not super high on Ertz, but uh, but yeah, I mean, guys like Eifert, guys like Kelsey, um, you know, guys like that, to me makes sense. Maybe as early as the second. It's thinking what who you know how many people are in the draft and how large the draft it is. If you're, you also you know, get guys off flavors like a Ben Watson maybe, and a tight end, a heavy offense. Ben right. Watson. I mean, that's an intriguing one, but I don't know. Right. I mean, that's the kind of guy I would take late. It's a guy like Ben Watson or, you know, perhaps even undrafted. It depends on how large the draft is. So if it's a small mm-hmm. league, then, yeah, a guy like that might go undrafted. If it's a 14-team league, that guy's going to probably be drafted. And then you also have a guy of Antonio Gates at the end of your draft or undrafted. And this is sort of like it's final few years. Right. And like I said, it really depends on the personality of your league. You know, so... There are leagues where I figure out very quickly that I can, you know, take my time and wait. But I, there's some leagues where I know I can't because I know the personality of the league and I know who won't be there. All right. Looks like, Bill, you also have another pick due to you just picked for David. Oh, okay. Um... um A.J. Green hasn't been picked yet? Nope. 
Oh, AJ Green. I'm not touching him. <laughs> I love well, AJ I'll, Green. I would totally take him at this price. Yeah, I'd, I'd take him as my number two wide receiver. This is, this is where I'm number one. I'd be very cautious. I, mean, I traded him way less. Even that offense, and really, what else do they have? Well, I'm just saying, he burnt me a lot last year. I he had didn't games. burn me at all last year. Not, not too much. <laughs> yeah, maybe a couple of games where I got burned, but I mean, he, yeah, I don't know. I, I definitely take a chance on him this year, this early. Oh no! And this is where this is where the risk reward for a guy like AJ Green is pretty much perfect. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'm on the clock. Uh, My next year is Isaiah next. Yeah, I'm going to go Allen Robinson. Uh, you are kidding me! I was I was going <laughs> to go with him for my next pick. Allen Robinson's been my boy since. Before he got drafted, I fell in love with him as a prospect. Yeah, the guy who's been riding the Allen Robinson train hard this year was um, Matt Harmon. He was really high on Allen Robinson. I feel like a lot of people just kind of brushed it off, and then he had this monster year. Yeah, I would definitely take him here. Allen Hearns is also another good player that you could get later. It helped him build out when a couple games. Yeah, he's the he's, top ten. He's, fallen, he's fallen later in drafts, but I definitely feel like he's a good guy to take. Yeah, if he's your 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 wide receiver three, or your you know if you have a double flex league, he's your second flex. He, you're going to be pretty happy. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm the next pick, and I feel like there's. I mean, there's a couple guys I could take, but I feel like it's kind of. I want I you see hometown bias is kind of rubbing off here, but I don't think it's that outrageous of a pick to even take here. I mentioned him for my last pick as well, but I'm going to go with Alshon Jeffrey. He helped me out a lot last year, and I remember and you tra- was, keep trading for him. He was in and out a lot last year. It's just a matter of health for him, how he can if he mm-hmm. can stay in shape or not. And I feel like I feel like that risk that risk it's definitely worth it. If he stays healthy all 16 games, you are going to be well, very happy. Kevin White also around. helps too. So he doesn't have to take a team. lot of the load off of him. Yeah, I, oh. I totally agree. Bill, you got the next two. Okay. Uh, let's see. How many, um, where are we at? How many rounds are we doing, by the way? We're at pick number six. What? We're at pick number six. We have one more pick. Okay, I'm assuming Sammy Watkins is still available, right? Yes, yes. Well, so bring me some Sammy Watkins. Uh, I think he's another guy that's about to break out. I mean, he and, I think he and Robinson are going to have similar years. Um the only thing that has given Sammy Watkins some trouble is he's had a lot of instability previously at the quarterback position, but they now have found Tyrod, and if Tyrod stays healthy, they're going to soon have that sort of wonder twin powers psychedelic, you know, hookup thing that number one receivers eventually build with their quarterback when they get to play together long enough. Uh, Watkins is one of the most physically talented quarterbacks, the quarterback, sorry, wide receivers in the league, and then Tyrod's one of the most physically talented quarterbacks in the league. In terms of just physical talent, there's not too many other 
combinations you can think of where there's more physical talent between the two. Yeah, um, and you look at last season, he was kind of just floating around, and all of a sudden he's like, I traded him more. I traded him away, and then he got all that. He yeah, he's healthy like, again, he's then. like, hey, I want more targets, and he got more targets, and he definitely he produced. So, I mean, that's definitely something to look at. Right, and I believe they're going to, first of all, I think they're going to be a better offense altogether this year. One is they know who their starter is going into the season, which is a refreshing change in Buffalo, uh, actually knowing who the starter is. And two, reps. I mean, there's nothing more important than reps. These guys are going to have more reps together than they've had in the past. I mean, the big three in re- offense, I believe. Right. I mean, just to remind everybody, Tyrod was not even the number one going into last year. You know, he was in the mix. Like that, you know. Castle, EJ Manuel. Yeah, exactly. It was a mess. He lit, he, yeah, he lit the earth on fire in, like, the third week of the preseason, and all of a sudden he's, like, the unanimous starter going into week one. So. Right, and it was one of those games when they all played in the fourth preseason, too. Right. I mean, it was one of those things where, I have, first of all, I have to give them credit for realizing you know, sort of like with the Matt Flynn situation, despite the money you may have given a free agent, despite the money you may have spent on taking a guy number 16 overall, they realized that best guy was the guy they're paying the least amount of money. You know, and it happens that way. So smart of them to at least realize that because some teams are stubborn about that. And given the chance to, like I said, sort of establish themselves as a number one and get connections, you know, get actual, that sort of, you know, nonverbal that you begin to build up with your with your receivers when you spend time with them and throw them the ball in different situations. I think both of I think this will be a career year for Tyrod, and I think it'll be a career year for Sammy Watkins. I think he's about to have, you know, a 1,200-plus, uh, you know, 9-10 touchdown kind of year. All right. Uh, the eighth pick. Well, that's still me, right? Oh, no, seventh pick, my bad. Yeah, seventh pick for you. Okay, just making sure. Um, and I'm assuming New Hopkins is also still available, right? No, he is not. Oh, okay. I took him first. See, I didn't hear all the people who've been picked. Okay. Um, well, forget that. Uh, how about Amari Cooper? Thank you. Well, not anymore, he isn't. Okay. Well, there we go. Uh, it's another person who's about to, <laughs> who's about to have a spectacular year is Mari Cooper. And what's going to help him is Clive Walford is going to begin to emerge as a tight end. They're, they still are probably going to draft another wide receiver, I believe, in Oakland. But they're, they're going to start to develop some other targets. Michael Crabtree, and, he's kind of the number two yeah, guy there. Right. Crabtree's a veteran, and he's solid. He's, he's not always today, yeah. he's not always available. He's got a guy that misses three or four games a year every year. So, you know, at some point he'll get hurt. Once he again, he last year. Right, 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 right. But 
that's the exception, not the rule. He'll get hurt again. It won't be anything <laughs> serious, I don't believe, but he'll miss some games, which is fine. Um, they're developing some young talent around uh, all over that team. And they're going to start moving Amari Cooper around. Obviously, when you get a rookie in, you don't move him around a lot. You let him line up the same place all the time. But now he's going his second year in the system. I think you're going to start seeing him line up some in the slot, some in the Z. I think you're going to start seeing him move around. And I think you're going to start seeing him be another one of those guys to stash himself. Guys in the top eight, you know, top seven, top ten, top eight, top six, you know, year after year after year kind of receiver. I think he's about to have a ten-year run of being a top ten or so receiver. All right. I still can't decide between Brandon Marshall, Demarius Thomas, and Des Bryant. Well, I know who I'd take out of those three. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that doesn't seem that hard, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I go to yeah. Brian. Yeah, you'd have to go to really. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, I don't know. I would, I'd feel more comfortable taking Demarius Thomas if we're being honest here. But, yeah, Des is definitely, I'm, like, I'm surprised he actually fell this far. We all just kind of overlooked him. But, yeah, I definitely feel like Des Bryant or Demarius Thomas would be the way to go there. The, the issue with Demarius, and, and this is always the and also he has no quarterback. They don't have right. Quarterback. Well, that's, that's Definitely one of the issues with Demarius. Even when they had a quarterback, Demarius Thomas was a guy that did not know how to get open when he had to get open on his own. When you didn't have something schemed or you didn't have things happening that created openings for him, the guy who got open, look at how that team was down the stretch with Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders. Right. Demarius Thomas has never been good at getting open on his own. And I don't think he's ever going to get good at it. I don't think it's going to happen next. You know, at six years into his, his career, I don't think he's going to suddenly develop it. So he's going to create some big plays because he's a big, powerful athlete. And he'll, you know, shrug off some, especially the pathetic tackling that you see at the secondaries of, of modern NFL. He's going to have some big plays and just run through some tackle. But his ability to get open when you that third and eight, you've got to have it, that should be him. But it almost never goes to him on that third and eight, you've got to have it to keep this drive alive. But Des gets right. All right, Logan, you have pick number nine. All right, pick number nine in round two or round three? Round two. We're only doing it to the end of round two. Okay, I've kind of lost track. Um, Let's see, pick nine in round two. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at Marius Thomas again. He's one of the guys to put in consideration there. You also mentioned Brandon Marshall. I don't know if there's any other guys really throw in there. I'm thinking... Keenan Allen, uh, you know, uh, John Batman. Mm. I, like, I, I like Keenan Allen just fine, but he's another guy that's never going to give you any big plays. He's going to get exactly what's schemed. He's going to get you, you know, those tough yards. He's, he's a, a very reliable target. Yeah, I mean, similar guys. We're talking about similar guys. Tough, smart, gritty, Big plays? No. Thomas Rawls still on the board. I'm looking through. I'm like Jeremy cycling through. I'm cycling through offenses. Jeremy Langford's a guy that's crossed my mind once or twice. I'm cycling through offenses in my head, just trying to find see if there's anyone else. But I don't know if there really is. T. White Houghton. And T. White is not the kind of guy you take this early. 
I don't know if Julie I Nettleman from this guy, but I'm all right. This isn't my pick. I just want to grab your opinion. I don't feel like he should be taken this early at all. But either you take a chance on Larry Fitzgerald this early. I like it. I, no, I love Larry Fitzgerald, but he's a mid-rounder to me, just yeah, because... I don't like him this early. I just of where he is, him. you know, in his um, career. Donovan Stewart. I feel like... Is, is Mike Evans off the board? No, he's not. Then I'll go Mike Evans. There you go. <laughs> and this is about where he should go anyway. I mean, this, is, this makes perfect sense. And he's going to have another really good year, you know, 1,100, 1,200 yards. Uh, he might he might have a lot of touchdowns this year. Um, you know, he's, he's likely to be one of those in the top four or five in touchdown perceptions, partially because of his, you know, physical beast kind of re- receiver he is, and partially, once again, because of the kind of offense they're going to run. I mean, I think that's going to be end up being a top eight offense. So I... I I love that pick. All right, Bill, you have the final pick. Oh, all righty. Okay. Well, you're thinking about that. I have a quick question for you. Would any of you think about taking any position other than running back, wide receiver, or tight end this early? I feel like the answer uh, is no. Well, you know me. I always take my kicker in the third or fourth round. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're just crazy. Um, Thank you for not. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> once again, it depends on the league. Um, in some leagues, yes. There are leagues where people will begin, with a run on quarterbacks begins at the end of the second round. Um, you well, know, Aaron. I'm not. I'm not touching Aaron Rodgers. I'm not touching Andrew Luck. I'm gonna wait. Yeah, right. I'm gonna go Blake well, Bortles probably later in the draft. And I would definitely. I, I definitely. I definitely wait on Andrew Luck. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I might snag myself a Tyrod Taylor in the middle round. I might snag myself a Robert Griffin the third towards the end of the draft. And I think he's capable of a bounce back. I think he's capable of a big time bounce back. Um, I mean, there you, was- I don't remember who exactly said this, but they said you really can not draft a quarterback and pick a guy up off the waiver wire, which is exactly what I did with Carson Palmer last year. I know you. Oh well. Well, in the leagues, see, you're in you're in some some different leagues than the leagues I'm in. The leagues I'm in, Carson Palmer's gone somewhere in the seventh round. Tony Romo might be on the waiver. I think it was I think it was the injury history, or the rather not the history, but just the injury last year. That just, or two years ago, that just kept everyone away from him. I don't know how, but he was still available after the draft, and I just went in. And yeah, it. that's that's you're in different league movies. But <laughs> yeah, he was in our he was in our uh, fantasy football league on the NFL. dot com and ESPN last year. I was in both of those, and I placed third. Well, it was third overall in the NFL. dot com one, and the ESPN Well, on the NFL. dot com one, you beat me to reach third place. Yeah, and the the ESPN one I'd rather not talk about. That one was a rough one, but the NFL.com one I placed third place. So, I mean... And I won that league. Did you win that league, really? I only lost one game. 
You know what? Um, I'm going to go with Mr. Cobb. I believe the return of Jordy Nelson is going to put him back where he was being the premier number two receiver in, in football. Um, I think I think he's going to go back to to getting you eight receptions a game and 90 yards or so in receiving most games and probably about, you know, between nine receiving touchdowns, he'll probably get a rushing touchdown or two and some special gadget plays and he might toss a touchdown or two and some special gadget plays. Uh, obviously, people got mad at him or whatever it was because once Jordy was gone, he didn't suddenly have some monster year. People who owned him last year got mad about that. He's not set up to to be a number one receiver. And there's nothing wrong with being an elite number two. You can get tremendous value out of an elite number two. Eric Decker, another guy like that. Sure. There's lots yeah. of guys like that. And, that's, and, and frankly, that's what Latron, Laquan Treadwell is this year. People who think he's a number one are going to be really mad at him. But if you look at him as, an, as a high-end or elite-level number two, and you match him well, with somebody if else. We're looking, if we're looking at the end of the second round here, I'd be more comfortable taking a guy like Brandon Marshall before I take a guy like Randall Cox. Oh, yeah. I know what you're saying. Here's the difference to me. Um, you're looking for the opportunities at the number two than what the number one you get. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a more pass-heavy offense. That's the only thing that makes a decision for me. But the Green Bay Packers are never going to really commit to the run. They talk about it, but they don't mean it. They, every time the chips are on the table, they're going to throw the ball. There are certain teams that talk about that The Colts talk about wedding established. They don't mean it. The Colts, every time the chips are down and they really need something, they're going to throw the ball. Oh, yeah. So, you're gonna, yeah, I definitely see what you're talking about. The Packers, you're – yeah, the Packers. I feel like I may be misinterpreting what you're saying, but it comes time to it comes time to time you're saying when they have to win a game. When they have to win a game, they're gonna put it in number twelve hands and say go win it. Exactly. And he's gonna heave it down the field and somehow find some someone for the touchdown, no matter who at right. what at whatever cost it takes. Well while the Jets really do want to run the football. Like they mean it. When they say they want to run the football, when they say they want to run the football, they, don't have they need to have a running back to do it with, really. Matt Forte is nice and that, but it's not an everyday every down guy. You know, you say that. You say that, but I don't know if it, well first of all, they they do use a lot of number of running backs, but I think people are underestimating Forte. If people are gonna get Forte in the eighth round and they're gonna be thrilled with what they get out of it. He's going to outproduce. I don't think Forte's going to fall to the eighth round. Hold up. People talk about him in the third or fourth round. I don't know if he's going to go there. I'll say I am a Bears fan, so I do have this love for Forte. But, I mean, he he is amazing. I would I would take him third, fourth, fifth round. I would take him late third, if anything. But that's, that's the earliest I'd take him is late third, I feel like. He definitely can still produce in the offense he's in. Are you guys going to take TJ Yeldon this year if you do so? Because Chris Ivory's now there. Are you going to take him at all? I don't know well, if you take TJ Yeldon. You've, the, the running back pool is a is a mess once you get once you get down into those later rounds because you don't know. There's like Jay Dye maybe the is. starter. Maybe they get a guy. Well, here here I just go by. Frankly, I go by the personality of the offense. When I'm, once you get past the elite, elite running backs, 
then I just look at which teams do I really know mean it when they say they want to like the Chargers. I don't care who you say their running back is. I'm never going to. I mean, other than Danny Woodhead is probably still going to be the better, one of the better point producers because that's the guy that actually they will get the ball to in the you know in both the running game and the passing game. What about the Redskins running back? Well, I mean, we'll see what happens with them. I'm I'm, a, I'm hands off with them right now. Um, no, I'm drafting Deshaun Jackson again. Yep, yeah, now. I mean. That's a good guy to, to pick up in the middle rounds because, once again, big play. He's going to be quiet three or four times a year where you get zero practically out of him, and then he's going to have a couple of monster games where he goes for two or three touchdowns and, you know, 114, 130. You know, I mean, he's going to look for teams that have stiff, you know, stiff that corner, and a few teams do, and he just goes nuts on those teams. You know, the teams with top corners or the teams where there's a great pass rush or teams that, you know, can come up and press him, he disappears. So it's, you just got to pick your matchups with a guy like Deshaun. But when Deshaun goes off, he goes off. And, of course, anytime he sees Carlos him. Hyde. I've never been a Carlos Hyde fan. I'm not the right person to ask. I've never First liked him. I've been like him at Ohio Hill. State. Yeah, I mean, Jeremy Hill's the better option if you're choosing between those two in my mind. Um, but I've never liked Carlos Hyde, so I, I, I'm a bad person to ask about him. I didn't like him in college. You don't is it you don't like him, or you're just not a fan? Well, I mean, I don't want to say don't like. I mean, I think he's the kind of guy that once again gets you everything that's blocked, but he doesn't do a great job of getting you anything more than what's blocked. And I don't know if he'll ever become that guy that gets you more than what's blocked. That's my concern with him. I mean, I mean, any of you guys are already asked, Logan, are you taking any chance on uh, Amir Abdullah? As much as I like Amir Abdullah, will he ever be a guy that gets enough touches? I mean, if you look at him as maybe like a flex, I don't think he's ever going to get enough touches to be what he I wouldn't I think he, take him as a flex. I don't think I – I mean, the running back situation right now in Detroit is so hazy. I don't want to. Do well, you guys, they just signed Stephen Ridley, so I sort of think theoretic on a possible third down. And they bring in Stephen Ridley, so it's a change of pace. And they got Jack Sinner. I don't know what. Yeah. So that's that's what I was just saying. That's what scares me. It's the touches. I don't think he's ever get enough touches to to give you much of it. You know, I mean, he'll give you. That seems like a guy's going to give you six and a half, seven points occasionally, and give you three or four points. More often. Uh, and I don't think he's ever going to score a lot of touchdowns unless um, he, he gets used a lot in special teams or something. You know, so if a guy's not getting a lot of touches in offense and they, they don't use him a lot, of, we'll see. I mean, they, they didn't use him a lot on special teams. Previously, but maybe they will this year. I'm going to throw a guy out there that no one's really mentioned. Where do you look at Doug Baldwin in your fantasy draft? Because he went the next off next round, the last half yeah. of the season. Yep, next round. To, the only thing that bothers me is once again the personality of that team. Now they got outside of their personality last year. Now, so was mm-hmm. that a temporary? The only question is, was that a temporary thing? Will they go back to being a team that really wants to run the football about 49% of the time? They're going to go out all year long. 
Right. But this last year, remember, for the first time, really, in the history of the Pete Carroll version of the Seahawks, they that was the first time they weren't a team that was in the top two or three in rush attempts. They had been in the top two or three in rush attempts every year, in number one even a couple of years um, since Pete Carroll came into the league, back into the league with Seattle. This is the first year they weren't. This, I think they were somewhere like number nine or something. They're still in the top ten, but they were nowhere near as high as they were. They didn't run the ball nearly as much last year. And the only thing is, the only question is, was that a an aberration, or is this a new path? Are they now going to become a passing? And I don't know the answer to that yet. So that's the only reason I'm not super high on Baldwin. But I, I still think he'll be their number one receiver. But I think you'll see Lockett more. Tyler Lockett. Yeah, yeah I think Lockett, Lockett will be their number two. I feel like you um, must be looking at their run game. I feel like the reason, like you said, they weren't number one in um, rush attempts this year. Maybe it's something to do with the absence of Marshawn Lynch. I feel like maybe yes, they right. are finding they got to find a way to compensate for that. And, and like more to the point, more more to the point is their offensive line play, um, which had been very good in years past, dropped way off last year. That's what I think the real thing was. They're well, when you lose your is, left tackle for parts yeah. of the year, right. that really affects you. And Carpenter, they had lots of injuries on their offensive line. They had they had. Hardly anybody stayed healthy on their offensive line last year. So, so he, had to hurry up, he had to hurry up, drop back, and chuck it. Right, exactly. So that's what, that's why I was saying I, my question is I'm going to wait and see a little bit, um, but I, I would take Baldwin in the next round probably. But that's one thing I would wait and see a little bit is to see if this is a team that's actually decided. Because some teams will do that, you know, like with Pittsburgh, right? Pittsburgh made a permanent, apparently, change in offensive personality from a team that really wanted to run the football. They were one of the top teams in rush attempts early in Big Ben's career. And then a couple of years in, they were like, okay, Ben, it's pretty much all you. Well, now they're a little more balanced with Le'Veon Bell, but still they are a passing team that runs the football fairly well. They're not I think it's going to be a quote-unquote big year for my boy Sammy Tote. Quote-unquote big year. <laughs> Well, if he, it depends if he catches the football or not. Um, I still have a little more faith in Marcus Wheaton. Um, but if Sammy Coates shows he can actually catch the football in his hands. You know he's my boy. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I know that. But your your boy has thus far shown hands like feet. So this is the time we need to, you know, show he can actually catch the ball consistently with his hands. If he can do I that, have more then faith yeah. in Marcus Wheaton and Sammy Coates as well. I yeah. do as well. Well, you well, you were. I know he's a He hasn't done. He hasn't shown us Jack yet. He needs to show us something before I. I have faith in him. Well, look at their playoff run. He was a vital part in that before they lost, and that was not on his. I think uh, vital is a, is a slight. I think vital is slightly just on horror to you, but he he actually contributed. He that he I would agree with he contributed. Vital is, like I said, exaggerating it. Especially the game they lost. Uh, also, you're Brown saying he's a vital part. You're saying he's a vital part before they lost. If he was a vital part, he would have assisted their win, I feel like. Well, more to the point, he, when you say vital, in terms of market share, he still was basically a third, fourth receiver. So, yeah, he, he contributed. And they should have not resigned Hayward Bay. They should have left him. Yeah. What does that tell you about your your boy Sammy Coates? 
if if indeed he had blown their minds with the tape he put up, they wouldn't have brought back Hayward Bay. So what does that tell Don't you? troll me. Don't troll me, Bill. I'm not trolling you. I'm telling you what does it mean <laughs> when they looked at this guy and they looked at this guy and said, well, they're kind of the same guy, which they kind of are, and said, okay, we'll bring this guy and back for one more hand. year. That's, a, that's the issue with both of them. Neither of them are great at catching the football. They're both big, powerful, physical, impressive specimens. And if you could get either of them to consistently catch the football, you'd really have something. But thus far, neither of them has shown the propensity to catch the ball consistently. And despite their really impressive physical guess, neither of them is a great route runner. So... I won't... No, continue. Are you done, or...? I was going to say, there's a great chance for Sammy Coates. There's an opening, thanks to Martavis Bryant's stupidity, for him to show what he can do. But until I see it, you know, like I said, I'm going to wait. All right, so I kind of want to pan out and just look at the whole Steelers offense as a whole for a second. And I feel like even though it's super early, there were people talking this time last year that the Packers were going to be this offense that could break records this year than oh, last year. And I then Jordy Nelson got injured. What do you feel like the Steelers offense could be that offense this year, even without Martavis Bryant? They were last year, in a way. Um, well, I, I mean, let's not forget Martavis Bryant. As impressive as Martavis Bryant is, it wasn't like he was uh, a guy that got a huge number of balls. He was a guy that had, what, uh, just over, was it right around 50, just over 50 receptions, something like that? For seven, just under 800 yards, 780 yards, something like that. So it wasn't like he was, I mean, he was important, you know, like Marvin Jones is important to Cincinnati, but he's not, he, the offense doesn't run through him. So he's replaceable. And like I said, here, you know, hey, Sammy Coates, if you're going to be a legitimate NFL wide receiver, here's your chance. I still think Marcus Wheaton's the guy that's going to end up hitting most of the targets. Marcus Wheaton had an insane fantasy year last year during his crutches. Yeah, I, I think I think a couple things will help Marcus Wheaton. One is he's a better route runner than either Edward Bay or, or Coates. Definitely. And then two, you know, he's a, a natural catcher of the ball. He has good hands. You talk about so, offensive changes. They quote-unquote sort of went away from what they're used to at tight end. They're used to, you know, Guy like in Heath Miller, um, yep. and now they've gone with Darius Green, right? A little more in the, in the Gronk Kelsey mold. Yes, um, they're going to lose something in blocking. Uh, that's just a fact. He's not a great blocker, but they they're going to gain someone who can run away from some linebackers, which is not something that Heath Miller did a lot of, and in fact, some safeties. I mean, he's one of the faster tight ends in the league. That's not something we've had in a long, long time. Uh, they have a lot of productive but unexciting tight ends. Yes, Miller was in. one of them. Solid. Oh, a long line of guys. I mean, I can go back to, you know, <laughs> the 1970s uh, and name them if you'd like, but here's my point. No, for no, the no. First no time, <laughs> right, okay. But for the first time, okay, but here's what I'm establishing. For the first time in a very long time, they actually will have someone who can run away from people at the tight end position. So they, they have a tendency, they now have an opportunity to open up some things for him underneath over the middle. But it will hurt them a little bit in the running game. He's not a great run blocker and he's not a great pass protector. So Heath Miller was basically a third tackle 
in the way he blocked. He was one of the better blocking tight ends in the league, maybe, you know, in the top two or three as a blocker. They're going to lose a lot. This guy's going to put them, you know, from top two or three to bottom two or three or, you know, at least bottom ten as a blocker. He's not a great blocker. You know, that neither of the San Diego tight ends, when they were, when they, uh, when he was there with uh, Antonio Gates, that's one thing they didn't do a great job of was blocking. But in exchange for losing some of that, you're going to get a guy, like I said, who's going to be able to run away from people. You know, you're going to get some of those little drag routes are going to, instead of being six and five-yard gains, are going to turn to 15, 16, 17, 20-yard gains sometimes. You know, somebody takes a bad angle. You know, I mean, there's some opportunity for some bigger, some big plays from what would be, like I said, little dump-off passes. Well, I'm going to make this like two points and we'll try to get our final thought. If Logan has any more questions after this. Um, a guy that I think is going to be, you know, sort of, quote unquote, under the radar. Well, not really under the radar, but, you know, put under the radar due to weight issues. I think Eddie Lacey gets back on track. Um, but I think he's sort of on that bargain beware or buyer beware type of player. You can probably get him from three or four. Eddie Lacey is one of those guys who need to show me he's going to bounce back before I believe it. <laughs> yeah. I'll believe it when I see it in Eddie Lacey. That's why I'm yeah, on the that Lacey my, as well. That was my... Well, that was my approach on year two, and then he gained so much weight, and then I dropped him high in year three, and he burned me. Every other year for him, it seems like. Right. If I can get him in the late rounds, you know, sure. But I'm, he's not going to be a key piece, a key part of my strategy. If it turns out, that he, he over he produces higher than where I got him. That's great. I'll be happy about it. But what about a guy um, like Giovanni Bernard and Jeremy Hill? Oh, Giovanni Bernard or Jeremy Hill would be much better pickups than I think anyway. No, I'm no, I'm just saying. Where do you think they will go? Oh, um, well, people will start probably jumping on Jeremy Hill in the what third probably, and Giovanni probably a round or two later. I've always enjoyed having Gio Bernard. Every time I picked him up, I've, I've always enjoyed it. It's never, I've never had regrets of picking up Gio Bernard. And the funny thing is, I understand why they like Jeremy Hill, but the guy is a better not, football player. Well, ironically enough, the guy who has been the better, you know, run out the clock four minute offense guy has been Gio. You know, despite the size difference, the guy who doesn't fumble the ball is Gio Bernard. Jeremy Hill for all of his 234 pounds and whatever else. When he, in my opinion, I think the game sort of turned all the way around when in the playoff game was when Gio got it. Because before Jeremy Hill fumbled, if he was if Gio wasn't hurt, it would be Gio winning the ball. I think I'm going to turn this question around a little bit. Who do you take first, Jeremy Hill or Gio Bernard? I'd take I'd take Gio Bernard. I feel like I'm a Gio guy. Now Jeremy tends to go early earlier in most leagues, but I it's like okay, you can have him. I'm going to wait another round to step up Gio Bernard. That's usually how yeah. it works. Yeah, 
you know, any we're talking about is right. And he's the better, and he's the better receiver too. Um, I mean, Hill's a decent receiving back. Don't get me wrong, but the better receiver of the two is clearly. I mean, Bernard is really got really good hands. Any of you guys touching Demarco Murray? You know what? That's another guy that you can probably snap at in the middle of the late round. And I mean, once again, it can't hurt you that much if you wait. I just wouldn't get him too early. He's still a productive back. He's still a talented runner. He just went to first of all, he went to the exact wrong situation. I don't know um, where I want to. I don't know where I want to jump on Gio Bernard, but I feel like everyone's gonna take the chance on him too quickly. I feel like everyone's gonna take the chance on him before I feel like he should be going, and because of that, I'm not gonna get him. So I feel like I'm just gonna steer clear of him. I mean, that's just that you know, fifth round or so, I feel pretty good. If I can get him around there, I, I that's a guy that's definitely worth taking to me in the middle round. Uh any final points, Logan? Any other questions for you? Um no, I do want to throw one more guy out there that we can talk about real quickly. Um this one running back we haven't really mentioned that I feel like kinda where do you guys jump on Justin Forsett? Where do you guys kind of take the chance on him? Uh, I've loved Forsett these past these past couple 10 of years. To, uh, ten to twelve for me. I still ten to twelve for me. I think he's a risk reward type of guy. Uh, he's over past 30, but he doesn't have that wear and tear like most running backs are. But when you reach that age, it really affects your speed and your sportsmanship. And he's coming off a broken arm. Uh, I don't know because he's been banged up a couple years now. I just think I feel like he's coming down from there. I would maybe take him seventh or eighth, really. Well, that's your prerogative. So I'm just saying. <laughs> I think there's just a lot better options. Yeah, I mean, once again, if if, if he's available late or, you know, perhaps even undrafted, but depending on the size of the league, but if he's available late, that's a guy I would take a, maybe a late flyer on. You know, like Melvin Gordon, that's a guy I'd take a late flyer on. I never liked Melvin Gordon. Um, and I, he had exactly... Melvin Gordon's way, not at all. He, and he had exactly the kind of year I thought he would. Now, what I will say is that if I get him late enough, you know, he's the kind of guy you might play in, you know, sort of a bye week injury, whatever it is, some sort of emergency kind of situation. Um, and he's the kind of guy that you might drop, you know, when you no longer need. There's a lot of... Does anybody... Oh, sorry, but do any of you guys draft Crowell or Duke Johnson? Who's that Duke Johnson, would you say? Yeah, yeah, I mean... Crowell or Duke Johnson? Neither. Right. I mean, I like them both, but not enough to draft them. Um, that once again, if it, I might snap them up and you know, waiver wire pick up kind of guys. Yeah, I um, like Crowell more than Johnson. He'd be the one I go go for first, but I don't think I draft either one of them. I lean toward Duke Johnson. I think he's going to be fed the ball more with Hugh Jackson. And you look at what Hugh Jackson does when it comes to running backs, I sort of think Duke Johnson is sort of that perfect, quote-unquote, fit. 
I think you should be a do-it-all back for him. I've got one more question, if that's all right. Just something we haven't really t- talked about at all. Um, one defense that you'd take that maybe most people aren't thinking about. So, like, one sleeper pick for, like, a defense. So, not, like, individual defense, not, like, individual players, but just overall defense. Oh, I, I've been on this train for years. I always pick the defense that, you know, it's probably becomes one of the top defenses every year. When the Chiefs became that quote-unquote number one defense, when the Broncos were last year, uh, as soon as they got Shinry, I'm like, that's it, I'm picking Bron- Broncos defense. Um, this year, I would have to say the Oakland Raiders at the moment, depending on what they draft. Yeah, but that, that makes a lot of sense. The one I'm looking at kind of went up a little bit in popularity close to the end of the year, and I feel like I don't feel like they're going to gain much popularity come draft time. But you're giving me like all the t- let's imagine all the top defenses are off the board, and I'm looking at what's left. I wouldn't. I would feel very satisfied taking a chance on the Houston Texans defense. Oh, I took them with my last draft pick last year. Yeah. And I, I mean, felt very they should, confident. They should I mean, be one of the better defenses. They should, I don't think they, they really had nothing besides J.J. Watt, but I feel like they showed us at near the end of last year that they're more than just they're more than just that, and they've got some decent yeah. pieces they can build on. I don't, I don't even think of them as a, typically a sleeper. Uh, I'll give you one that I think is more of a an actual sleeper. Washington. Um, they uh-huh. they went from being an absolutely terrible defense <laughs> the year to previously a, to, a to a pretty solid defense. Yeah, and I think and they're another be good draft. Yeah, I think they'd be even better really this year. Really good defense. Plus, as a bonus, I think the NFC East is going to be not a great offensive division. Um, I think a lot of those offenses are going to. But once again, um, you have a new offense being installed in Philadelphia. I think that's going to take a while to take hold. Um, you kind of get what you got. In. We, can't, we, we, can't, we can't rule out Romo getting hurt again, can we? I mean, I hate to put it out there, but it's been a long well, he gets time. A, he gets season. that surgery. <laughs> he gets that plate. He gets that yeah, plate on collarbone. Uh-huh. I know what he's got. Uh-huh. Do, you think, uh-huh. do, you think, do you think that if a 340-pound man lands on him, it won't, it won't go? I mean, I'm just asking. You think that's going to stand up to... Like a, a blindside shot where he gets leveled. I was well, being I, I, this guy had this I'd like to I test out like, that theory. <laughs> I feel like it's definitely something to keep in mind, Tony Romo getting hurt. I also feel like it's not too outlandish to say that you're talking about the Redskins defense being very good. I feel like the best offense in that league may very well end up being the Washington Redskins. Well, because you got Odell and you got nobody else. And with the Giants, and you don't really have a quarterback for the Eagles. Well, I mean, the Eagles have some quarterbacks. That's not the biggest – to me, that's not their biggest problem. Uh, they, their offensive line. Their offensive line is an enormous problem, uh, one of the worst in the league. And then you add to that, like I said, they're installing it. I mean, it's not like it's a slight difference, like, oh, we're tweaking. No, it's completely different. Um, it's, I mean, it's completely different from what they did last year. It's very much like what they did back in the Andy Reid days. It's like back to the future. But unfortunately, all the Andy Reid guys are pretty much gone because Chip got rid of both of them. So, of course, except for Jason Peters. But. Yeah, but Jason Peters, we'll see if Jason Peters even plays. I mean, I hope he plays because he's a tremendous player, but 
Good God, when was he last healthy? 2013? 2014. He was hurt. Did he, did he, did he, finish, did he finish the 2014 season healthy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. I kind of blanked. Jason Peters? Yeah, I was saying, I'm trying to remember the last time he finished the season healthy, so that's another guy who's, well, yeah, that's another guy who's been, you know, I mean, he's a tremendous player, but he, he hasn't been able to stay healthy in a while. So, yeah. They've got huge problems, frankly, in Philadelphia uh, on offense and on defense, frankly. They've got problems everywhere. They're, they're, that's a team that could – I mean, I could be wrong, and they could come out and go 10-6, and six, but I think they are a team that might be in the running to go 3-13 and 13 or something as well. I mean, they've got – we'll see. They've got a lot of – they've got a lot to do. There's a lot they've got to do. They've got a lot. I feel like it's not that bad a situation that they'll end up going three and thirteen, but I do feel like they're definitely a team that, that could end with like that kind of five and eleven or six and ten mark with the three and two. Yeah. Three and 13. Yeah, I mean, right, exactly. I mean, that could certainly happen. Here's the issue I have: one is they need you know somebody to be their quarterback pretty much all year. If they can get that done, that would help. And then two, now that they've gone back to trying to be basically what Andy Reid did. But they don't have the guys anymore. They've changed so many pieces of personnel. It's going to take a while to get back to that. The guys that skip, uh, skip, chip. The guys that chip liked in terms of offensive linemen are a very different body type from what Andy Reid liked. Andy Reid wanted, you know, giant men. Enormous. I mean, not to say that you know the guys that chip were bringing were tiny, but they weren't the same body type. They weren't. 330 pounders. You know, he They're a lot more he, athletic. He, well, his thing was spark score. He picked every position based on spark score. A 330 pounder doesn't, isn't likely to have as high a spark score as a guy who's 308. So, like I said, this team's in massive transition. But I like Doug Peterson. I like the hire. And he's basically Andy Reid light um, in more ways than one. But I, I, I think they will be good again in Philadelphia. I don't know if that's just going to take a while. I just think it's going to take four years. And I obviously, understand. the Cowboys... I just heard you. I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you. Are you finished? No, it's okay. I was going to the Cowboys are in win-now mode, but they don't have the right pieces to win now. You know, so that's another sort of problem. You know, they, they know they only have another year or two of Romo being basically at his peak, but they don't have the pieces around him to be a Super Bowl team, so they seem to think they do uh, for some reason. And then the Giants defense, right? I mean, I think their offense is going to be just fine, but who's the blue chip player on defense? Who's the guy that you think, well, who do you have to game plan for on their defense? Who terrifies yeah, you on the Harrison, Giants defense? Olivier Vernon. Uh, yeah, no, no. I'm not terrified of that. Keep going. Keep going. North Jenkins? I'm still not... That's I'm scared. not scared of Janoris Jenkins. I'm not scared of Olivia Vernon. I'm not scared of JPP, nope. and I'm not scared of Sex. I'm not scared of any of them. No one scares me. There's no one on that defense who scares me. Jason Pierre-Paul, if he can be two-thirds of who he was, will still be the best player on that defense. But that won't be a good thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, if he's, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, having real a lot of trouble liking – not necessarily liking. I do like him as a player, but I'm having – a lot of trouble seeing Jason Pierre-Paul going back to the way he was. Like, he can still 
break through an offensive line, but if you can't, can't tackle, them. where is it's if finishing, you can't tackle, yes. where is your value going to Where is that's your value? Yeah. And you need that's fingers to grab things. Well, he's going to be clubbing people. That's what the new plan well, apparently um, is. But, well, the club is off. He has a glove. Yeah. They're trying to figure out what they can do with, you know, what's left of that other hand. Exactly. But he still may lead that team in sacks. Like, that's the scary thing. Like, he, if he comes up with five and a half sacks, he still might lead that team in sacks. Who's, yeah, who's look the at other guy? Yeah, defense in the league. And I bet you, you can tell me at least one guy that scares you on that defense. But the Giants... Uh, most maybe, teams. Maybe the Saints. Yeah, most teams. Maybe the, yeah, the Saints is another one that you kind of can't find anyone. But, I mean... Well, the Saints, Cam, Cam, Saints Cam Jordan. Defense. Cam Jordan. They have a Cam Jordan. They don't have a Cam Jordan in, in New York. They, got a they have a Cam Jordan in New Orleans. They got a Stephon Anthony. Um, they got Stephon Anthony's a, a good Steph- player. He's not. He has they a got terrifying, Kataha. but he's a good player. They got Kataha. He doesn't, doesn't, doesn't scare me, but he's a good player. I mean, here's my point. Cameron Jordan. <laughs> if you drop Cameron Jordan on the Giants, he'd immediately be the best player on that defense with no room, with no, like, no question marks. He'd be by a far and away the best player on that defense if they had Cam, Cam Jordan. <laughs> But, yeah, that's a team that, I mean, they need to draft well. <laughs> i put it that way. They need to draft well. The Giants could be terrible if they don't draft well. I think, and they I, have Omade Odigazua. Yes, they do. <laughs> Speaking of people who can't stay healthy. Oh, he, he was healthy all year. He just didn't hardly play. Yes, that too. But, I mean. He had six tackles. What? Yeah, didn't he get nicked up in camp or something? Well, maybe he did. Maybe he get. I just thought. He, maybe I just thought he got hurt. He played like he got hurt. Yeah, if that's him healthy, then. Ugh. I can. Can you see them, you know, possibly trading up again in the second round, and possibly if a um, what's called, back from Oklahoma State University. Uh, Ogba? What, Ogba? Yeah. Come on, Emmanuel Ogba? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I don't know if they'd be able to get back to him. Um, That's a guy who goes somewhere in the middle middle of the first round anyway, so they might have to just take him, you know. (laughs) At 11. At 11, if they really like him. I don't know if they have enough, do they have enough, you know, to get, you know, back in 14 or something? I, mean, I, think, they, I, don't, I um, think they still have a seven pick. They didn't get any tough. Uh, I don't think they have enough. I mean, you know, I don't think they'd have enough to get back at 14 or something because he's in play from about their point of the draft onward. I mean, that would be a good addition to that team. Sure, show with Jack, Jack Lawson, show with, I mean, lots of people. They can use anybody on defense. <laughs> Bernard Hargraves, I mean, name someone. Whoever Jeremy you want Cash. to name. Earlier on the show, we had Mr. Rory Anderson. Mr. Rory, um, we had him on earlier. We did our perfect pairs. He gave them uh, Jeremy Cash round, too. You know, we gave him sure. two, because they have the two, uh, Landon Collins, you know, two safeties of the future. That team. Sure, sure. I mean, anything would help. Like, they've got <laughs> – there's no place where they can't use help on defense. 
they use they can use help everywhere on that defense. That defense is not good. So this is an unusually important draft, and the Maras don't like their teams to be terrible. You know, they don't mind if you have a little dip. And, of course, we just saw them fire, you know, someone they liked personally. And that's the thing you have to remember. This is someone they liked, right? This wasn't someone they disliked. This wasn't one of those situations like with the 49ers or something. No, they like Tom Coughlin. This is a person they personally liked. So Jerry Reese knows that the fact that they love him and they do they love Jerry Reese won't save him. If this is another, you know, like I said, they go 2-14 and 14 or 3-30, or 30, he won't make it to the end of the year. Jerry Reese will be gone quickly if this team doesn't. They need to draft well. This has got to be one of their best drafts in recent memory, or that's it. Because he's, he's on a very short leash. One last defense I'm going to put out there, uh, the Rams. You know, just keep drafting the Rams up here. You'll be fine. Well, there's a team think, that should have a great defense, uh, frankly. The Rams should be terrific on defense. And they'll probably still draft more defense because that's Jeff Fisher's personality. He figures, you know, we will build a great defense and then we'll have an offense that doesn't make too many mistakes. And well, it was can, successful for him at one point in his career. You can talk up this Rams defense all you want. I do think they'll be very good this year. But as long as you have Jeff Fisher as your head coach, you are cursed to go seven and nine every year. I don't care what anyone else says; that is what you will do. <laughs> you know, that's what Chris Lessman says all the time, and it's true. It's true. Seven and nine every year. The Saints do it every year too. Or Los Angeles, but they don't try to go seven and nine. <laughs> yeah, well, that's part of it's because, of course, they're in a very, very tough you know, NFC West, but part of it is that, you know, they've got to figure some things out. This is, once again, we talk about some teams mean it when they say they want to run the football. This is one of the teams that means it. They want to run the football literally at least 50%. They want to I run think the they football. run the football so much because they don't have a quarterback that can throw the football very well. I think that's one of the main reasons why they mean that's it when part they say, of it. we're going to run that's the football, because they need to run the football. This year yeah, at Hard Knocks, making a case for case. But the other part of it is that that's what <laughs> Jeff Fisher's Jeff Fisher's coaching personality is much like Marty Schottenheimer's or mm-hmm. you know Lou Saban back with you know or Chuck Knox you know back with the old the original ground and bound uh, Buffalo Bills of the OJ Simpson. You're dealing with millennials here. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Sorry, youngsters. But my point is that you know ground Chuck, as used to call Chuck Knox, this is the team that really does want to run the football. They, no matter who their quarterback was, you could give them John United in his prime. They want to run the football there because that's what that's what that's what makes Jeff Fisher feel like you know this is real football. We're running football. This is that's what the Titans did for so long with Eddie George. Even they had Steve yes. McNair. Oh that's yeah, all they did so the, was run what the football. Oilers did. It's what you know. I mean, remember he was he started with them when they were still the Oilers. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, yes, they're they're going to run the football. They're going to run the football. That's what they're going to do. Now, it would be nice if they had a quarterback so that if occasionally they needed to throw it, they could do it. And they do like Case Keenum. Now, I mean, they aren't joking when they say they like Case Keenum. Now, there are limitations to what Case Keenum can do. 
but he can lead, he, he believes he can lead them to a nine and seven. I was just about to say seven and nine, but, uh, yes, well, he, he could definitely do that. Um, <laughs> but Case Keenum is, gives you enough at the quarterback position that if you have a great team, you can win games. You have a great team. What he can't do is pull you out of, you know, a death spiral game like an elite quarterback can. That's what he can't do. He can't, everything's going wrong, and he's like, you know, let me just take this game over. He can't do that. That's not what he is. But You have Case Keenum as your quarterback, and your team is going to be middle of the pack average at best, I feel like. You kind of, it depends sure. on what's around him, but it's going to be middle of the pack, kind of an average team at best. Sure. And I, I'm not disagreeing with you. But that's what makes the Rams so interesting, is will they be one of those teams that takes a first-round quarterback? Uh, it's not something... Well, right. It's not something that's been in their draft personality recently. I'll put it that way. Um, yeah, so we'll see what happens. Um, the... You know, the, um, right, I mean, that was obviously the previous administration that was before Snead and, and Fisher. Um, the last time Fisher took a quarterback, you know, early, it was, what, Steve McNair? I mean, you know, it's been a minute. Um, you know, he yeah, got... Steve McNair uh, had something special to him, but he didn't really, wasn't able to, wasn't really throwing the ball a whole lot. No, well, he's never been a big fan of throwing the ball a whole lot. If you know anything about Jeff Fisher, you know that. I'm just saying, even here was special when he's still around and still playing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Stephen here was basically, you know, very much like Favre in terms of being mm-hmm. just a elite level tough guy. Unfortunately, he, he didn't have. Yeah, he battered. Well, unfortunately, he didn't have. He didn't have. The coaching that Alec Favre had, he didn't have the great mm-hmm. offensive minds around him. Yeah, you know, Favre was a guy that. Well, they had some pretty good offensive lines. Well, at least run blocking offensive line, mm-hmm. but they didn't have a great passing attack in terms of concepts or commitment. Frankly, you know, um, you become you become what you practice. They practiced a lot of, you know, G lead a lot of. You know, power Bob, you know, 30 Bob. and I mean, they were a running team. That their running, their passing attack was play action. That's how they like to throw the football is play action. And they actually throw it to Frank Whitecheck. Yancey fake that. You know, it wasn't like they were, they weren't some wide open, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the greatest show on turf, exactly. You know, it was very close to the best as a passing attack. Um. All right, uh, this is ending or closing the show. Uh, where can people find out about your work, Phil? Sure. Um, I am going to start doing one NFC and one AFC mock draft. Uh, so for a 16-day period uh, leading to the last few days before the draft, we'll start popping up on FanSpeak. And then on um, Nuts and Bolts Sports, my Blue Light Specials, which is a bunch of players that will go in the 
day three or undrafted free agency period who I believe are players that will make an impact in the NFL. So Chenille Jenkins um, will be one of the first of those that will pop up. Uh, Justin Zimmer. So those two will be the first two. And you can start looking for those on nuts and bolts sports. And Logan, you can find him at at ATN quotes, is it? Yes, that's what it is. And I do post, I do tweet about football quite often. And if you're a fan of the Around the NFL podcast, I tweet quotes from that podcast. Um, That's kind of the whole thing. That's kind of the whole point of the account. So That's what half our league was last year, Bill. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, all right, thank you guys for your time. It's been a pleasure. Uh, I will be doing the show again next Tuesday around the same time. You guys in one week. Okay, excellent. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.